Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live.
If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right, T2Q radio show number 523 starts after these messages from TruthDevour.com, CrystalHickerson.com, and Facebook.com forward slash Knots for Change. And that's Knots, the number four, change. With graceful, effortless writing, author Truth Devours Enigma series brings to life the contemporary romantic trilogy, Wanton, Unrequited, and Sated. There are no limits when it comes to a person's search for true love. This story feels more than real and stays with you long after the last page has been read. Wanton, the 2015 winner of the L.A. Book Festival Romance category, is the first book in the trilogy that will get your heart pumping from the start. This is no ordinary love story. If it feels so good loving the wrong person, imagine how wonderful it's going to be when you love the right one. Do your imagination a favor. Wanton, unrequited, and sated by Truth Devour. TruthDevour.com The novels of Crystal Hickerson, the magician, the metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners, a tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted, a ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. and animal welfare organization dedicated to support those in need of help. Located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, our products are trendy rope bracelets with anchor clasps emblazoned with a tag word. The tag word on each bracelet represents a specific cause which will be matched with a charity. You see, Knots for Change's goal is to build relationships with charities worldwide. The causes we support are animal welfare, education, medical research and prevention, environment, human rights, veterans, world aid and development, mental health and wellness, health and fitness, and child development. You can find us on social media such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching Knots for Change. That's K-N-O-T-S, the number four, C-H-A-N-G-E. We'll also be launching our website on September the 10th, knotsforchange.ca. That's K-N-O-T-S-F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E dot C-A. 
right, my thanks to TruthDevourer.com, Crystal Show, excuse me, CrystalHickerson.com, and Knots for Change, all for being sponsors of the Talk to Q Radio Show, official sponsors at that. All right, quick um, change of plans for a second. I have a guest who has that who has dialed in, and I have got to get him on the air, um, and then we will get into the main topic of the show after that. Now, he played 11 seasons in the NFL. Um, He played his college ball at Middle Tennessee State University, and he was drafted in the third round of the 1993 NFL draft. Please welcome the current assistant head coach and linebacker coach for the New York Jets, Mr. Mike Caldwell. Mike, how's it going, man? Doing good, doing good. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you being able to call in um, on such short notice. Oh, no problem, no problem at all. I had one one of my old high school buddies uh, drop me the line, so not a problem at all. Okay, all right, well, cool, definitely appreciate it. And uh, so let's start first with your, your playing career. You're coming out of Middle Tennessee State, which is not a huge school, but you still get drafted in the third round, so that lets um, everyone know how good of a player you were. Uh, at what point did you feel like, you know what, I can be a professional football player? I mean, did it hit you in high school? Was it in college? Where did you feel like you actually had a chance? It really probably wasn't until my sophomore year in at middle that I, you know, had started having a little success and was able to compete against some of the Division One teams. We were 1AA at the time. And then from there, you know, get invited to the Blue-Gray game and then the combine, it just took off from there. You know, even though middle was a 1AA school at that time, we had a bunch of talent on the team, and, you know, once you're out there on the field, it's all equal playing ground from there. Okay. Now, when you were in um, in college, were there any other uh, players that you came across who you eventually met in the pros or who went pro, any rival players or anyone of that nature? Oh, there was, there, there was quite a few. I think I had a few teammates. Uh, I think my last college game we lost in the playoffs. We lost Lost to Marshall and Troy Brown from Marshall mm-hmm. and Mike, Mike Mike Bartram. He also played there. Uh, those two guys ended up playing with Mike for about five years in the league. So, you know, throughout the career, there was a bunch of guys that I played against, and then you know, those were the two that uh, I remember right offhand. Okay, and so you get drafted. You're in the NFL, um, and things started off pretty quickly for you. I mean, you're. You're with the Browns for a few years, and you're you're racking up tackles and, you know, having pretty good seasons. So um, you played for Bill Belichick and Nick Saban at one point. Uh, what did you learn playing under those guys, and do you still have a relationship with either of them today? Well, I haven't, uh, haven't had a chance to see Coach Saban in a while, but Coach Belichick, uh, you know, I'll see him at the Combine at different events, but – you know, just from being a rookie and my first couple of years in the league, seeing those two guys and how they went about the business and the knowledge they had about the game, you really didn't have an appreciation for it at that time. But as you got going on and got to see other coaches and how they did it, you really had an appreciation for how intelligent those guys were and how they went about their business. So I guess uh, just being able to be with those two great minds, it was really uh, – really benefited me as a player. Okay. And then you also got an opportunity um, to play in Baltimore 
And let's see, was Ray Ray Lewis a rookie when you got there, or uh, yes. his first or second season? Okay, yes, now yes. you got to see Ray Lewis early in his career. Did you know he had the potential to wind up to be the Hall of Famer that he's going to be? You you never knew he'd be the Hall of Famer, but you always knew he was going to be a really good player because of the passion he had for the game. You know, he came out, he was listed as an undersized linebacker. Uh, he was kind of small coming out of Miami, but he grew into the role, and then the passion and the instincts that he had, it just you could see it once he got on the field that he was going to be a very, very good player. Okay. All right. And so you, you went through as a player, and then here comes your opportunity to coach. And I believe was it Andy Reid that gave you your first opportunity with the Eagles? Yeah, um, it was Coach Reid. Can you compare what it was like starting off as a rookie coach to when you were a rookie player? Because, like, you know, as a player, you've been playing the game all your life. But as a coach, it's kind of like brand new, right? Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, the good thing about how I, how I got into coaching, I really – I told Coach Reed when he was coaching me when I was still playing that I would never coach. But he said I would make a great coach. So I told him, no, <laughs> you guys spent too much time there. I wouldn't want to do that. So then I retired for five years, and I was at home coaching my daughter's co-ed basketball team, and I kind of got the itch. So I ended up doing the minority internship. So that right mm-hmm. there got my feet wet. I was able to get in and, you know, not go straight from playing to coaching, but get away from it for a little while. And then once I did get back into it, it was full go from there. So it really wasn't a big adjustment because I was able to work my way in after that first internship. I was hired the next year, so the adjustment really wasn't that big. It was just me deciding that I really wanted to do it. Okay. And so now you're the um, assistant head coach and linebackers coach for the New York Jets. Um, you're, you have one of the greatest defensive minds to work with on a daily basis and, and head coach Todd Bowles. What's next for Mike Caldwell? Um, maybe a defensive coordinator for in the NFL, maybe a head coach in college, um, even maybe going back to Middle Tennessee State someday? Well, right now the plan is I just want to keep advancing. I enjoy coaching and I'm having a great time doing it. I'm with a great staff now. So, you know, whatever opportunity presents itself, whether it's going to coordinator or being an NFL head coach or possibly going back to college, whatever the next step for me, I'll be – ready to take it. But right now, I just want to keep moving forward, keep becoming the best coach I can be, and, you know, help the Jets get this championship. Okay. All right. Well, um, do you mind taking a couple of calls? No, not at all. All right, cool. Let me go to the 865 area code, Volunteer State of Tennessee, and bring on a familiar voice for you. What's going on, man? What's going on? What's going on, Zeke? Hey, what's going on, Cal? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. You doing good? I'm doing good, doing good. Just, you know, game planning, trying to get this uh, get this work in. Is Harvard back from high school yet? <laughs> we gotta we gotta you know, we gotta put him in a good positions. I hear you. I hear you, man. That defense, man, I've been telling them about it, man. it's it's good. It's good. I can't wait. Yeah, I, th- I told I told you the Patriots the only thing standing in front of you. Well, I, I think they're uh, they're undefeated right now, so they're standing in front of everybody. But we're gonna take it one day, one game at a time, and get out there and just try to get better as a, a unit. Uh, we got a bunch of talent on this defense, and 
just trying to get get the guys to gel together so we can, you know, keep this thing moving forward. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. All right. I appreciate that, Daddy Rich. Let me go to the 732 area code real quick, the Garden State of New Jersey, and bring on Ray. Ray, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Q? How you doing, Mike? Hey, Ray, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, pretty good. I was going to ask you, did you want to become a head coach one day? But you already answered that. But I, I think it's just, just great. We, we love football, and a lot of guys in America watch football. We really love it. And um, I know it must be just a dream to be be able to have played in the NFL, be around such great coaches, and be coached by great coaches. So, I mean, I'll be watching. You know, I'm in New Jersey, so we see a lot of Jets here. So, you know, I want to wish you the best of luck, except when you play Oakland. And hopefully, you know, Somebody can dethrone the Patriots this year, but they coming out strong. But you guys got the defense to do something well, as long as Reed stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's good, good, right? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I've been blessed. You know, I owe, owe it all to God. I've been blessed to be able to play the game and be able to coach the game. And the thing about it now, I get a chance to influence the guys in the game that are in the place I was in the shoes yeah. that I used to be in and be able to just sit back and influence those guys and help make those guys better. But, you know, as the season goes on, we just want to continue to get better. That's the main thing, continue to get better, continue and, to work and, and another, put a good good product out there. And another thing, I know, you know, you won't get into it, but, you know, with Sheldon Richardson, you know, he's a young guy and you got your head on straight, you know, just if it's something you can say to these young guys, man, just, help them stay straight. I know it's hard because they're young they got a lot of money and a lot of things is going on, but they can't blow an opportunity like that because some people would, you know, just, just do I don't know what. They even had that opportunity. So yeah, yeah. you guys I agree stay on the field, man, it's, it'll take them real far in life. Yeah, I agree with you. Just like I said, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to play the game, to be able to play in the league, and then get the opportunity to coach these young guys and be able to, you know, be a little bit of an influence in their lives. You know, I take that uh, responsibility and, uh, you know, we just hope, hopefully I can go out there and be a positive influence. All right. Thanks, All right. Ray. And last question um, from the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida. What's happening, Buck? Hey, what up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? What's doing well, man. What's going on? With the well, I, I, oh, yeah, i got to ask two questions. Well, the first question will be will go back to your playing days. Um, I know the Steelers Raven rivalry was really, really large. I know those games had to be brutal. How brutal were they? And then the second question was, who did you, um, who did you draw most of your, you know, once you got the itch for coaching? Who did, you, who did you, other than Belichick, who did you draw from as far as, you know, some of your coaching, or did you pull some of it from your, your game-playing days? Well, I guess uh, the first question, uh, anytime you're in a division, especially that uh, the AFC North, that's a division that's going to, you know, bang people around. It's going to be a physical blue-collar division. So 
any of those teams, Cincinnati, back when Houston was in the division, Cleveland, all, all those teams, it's, a, it's just a, a physical conference. So, you know, the Steelers, that was one of the teams that was physical. So just any any team in that conference really is a, is a physical match. Now, who do I draw my influence from? It's crazy, but really out of all the coaches, the ones that I really admire and really take a lot from is not even a football coach. It's a, a basketball coach, uh, Nikki Caldwell. My niece, she's down at LSU. If you have time to listen and get her on the phone and listen to how she goes about preparing her girls to play and how she coaches and motivates, that's really where I got the itch from, just seeing her do it and being able to draw from what she does with her players, just being able to try to mold that into me working with my guys. Okay. All right. Try to get I her appreciate it. Uh, Zeke. Try to get All Nikki right. on here for me next. Okay, no problem, no problem. You uh you got the numbers, y'all uh, stay in touch and I'll talk to y'all soon. All right, thanks. I really appreciate you taking the time, Mike. Mike Carwell. Uh, no, no problem. Thank coach. you. Yep. Linebackers coach of the New York Jets. All right, I know he has a lot going on right now. Uh, in the middle of the season, but I definitely appreciate him taking the time to uh, chop it up with us. You know, we love our sports here. We love our football, and uh, just about all the guys on the phone are a fan of of defense. So um, anytime you have a great defensive mind to come on and discuss things with you, you got to take advantage of that opportunity, and I appreciate Daddy Rich for making that happen. All right, so we'll go ahead and kick our main topic off. Let me welcome on from the 248 area code, the Motor City of Detroit, Crystal Hickerson. What's going on, Chris? Thank you. How are you? I am outstanding. And I will also go back to the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, and welcome on show legend Amanda. Amanda, what's going on? Hey, Q. Hey, Crystal. All the guys, how are you guys doing? All right, we'll go ahead and get started. I already got the Facebook and Twitter chat going on. For those who are on Facebook or Twitter, use hashtag T2Q and get in on some of these questions. Now, we're going to discuss how to get married. Okay, now, of course, it's easier said than done. I know I've made it sound easy in all the promos and stuff, but it's like, I know people are saying, you know, how in the world can you help me get married? Well, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I can only throw out suggestions, and then it's up to you to incorporate it in your life. Now, although some of the things people can do may seem basic, we all need to return to fundamentals now and then. So I'm going to bounce some questions off my show legends and some of the people on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see, you know, if that would help them maybe move forward towards a meaningful relationship and ultimately to get married. But first question, and I'll start with Amanda because it's been a minute since she's been on. Amanda, why do you think more pe- some people, well, I would say most people, spend more time researching a cell phone plan than they do learning how to be a good spouse? I think it's I think it's because with the um, with the cell phone plans or something like that, something that's you know related to technology or something where there are so many options people feel like they want to make sure they're getting the best deal or the best product out there, whereas a lot of times with relationships, they feel like, oh, well, you know, if they can't accept me, then 
whatever, you know, they then they're not they're not for me. And instead of looking at it as, well, that's true, you do want somebody who can appreciate you for you, and you shouldn't have to change who you are. However, you can always better yourself to better um, better please your mate or to be a better spouse. It's not even all about changing who you are, but it's just about improving on what you already are or making small changes that, you know, don't go against um, your your personality or your beliefs. There's certain things you can do to make your relationship better. And I think a lot of times people just feel like all that type of stuff should just come naturally because if you think about it, years and years ago, your grandparents, your great-grandparents and stuff like that, the only people they, the only resources they had would be, you know, their parents or maybe an older relative or a good friend to say, you know, what can I do better or how can I be a good wife, how can I be a good husband? And so it was just word of mouth, whereas today we have we have um, the Internet and you can sometimes you can get overloaded with information for those who do choose to do research online trying to figure out how they can be a better spouse. Sometimes I think they can, there can be a little bit of an information overload. So um, I think... I, you know, it's nothing wrong with doing the research for those who want to, but for those who don't, I think it's just a matter of they feel like it, they can just wing it and not have to do any research. Okay. And I, I agree with you on that. I just think that um, people really need to just learn how to be a good spouse. I mean, study, study. I, I mean, there are way too many resources out here to get it wrong. I mean, there's so many places you can go, so many people who – you know, are are experts at it. You know, a lot of times we'll ask one of our friends who has been divorced three times, has, you know, five or six baby mamas and all this stuff, before we'll ask an an uncle who have been married for 48 years. I mean, because right. we feel like we can talk to the younger people more than we can to older people. I mean, there are too many resources out there. But, Crystal, let me ask you this. How does being broke make it harder for most people to find a suitable spouse, especially for men. <laughs> okay, I get the money question. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. How does being broke make it hard for a guy? No, I mean, not just guys, but I mean especially guys. Well, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just the... On, on the general level, I guess it's just the basis of in order to meet someone, you have to ask someone out on a date. You have to go through these things that actually does cost money, um, you know, taking someone out a few times or whatever in order to get to know them. Um, I guess you have to look the part, so you might want to buy a few new clothes or something, um, clean your car buy a car uh you you, you may uh, for a woman you know you, you look presentable so you may need to get your hair done and you know things like that so that um and then if you are broke quote unquote i mean if you're you know having your primary thought process is your finances all the time whether you're officially broke or you're just concerned about your finances um that's all you can think about, and, and that's what you focus on. You focus on your work. You focus on, you know, making your career better or something like that. So it's hard to make time for dating 
and for meeting other people outside of work and stuff. So so you have to open yourself up to to that part of your life, but if, you know, other parts of your life are taking the primary role in it, there's no you don't have any time for all that recreation. So Okay. Well, on Facebook it looks like Robin Robin Pepper's Hunt agrees with you saying you can't afford to date. Uh Chandra saying nobody got time for that. Christina said it makes it difficult on my end. I don't like to seem needy. But and I get that for the short term outlook as far as being able to date and things of that nature. But Ray, what are some of the long term effects of not being financially secure? Well, um, it should be you don't have any type of romance to get your finance together, but the way it this goes, you know, some people just fake it until they make it. I mean, you have certain women who are attracted to certain things. That's why you have a guy that, you know, will be riding in the passenger seat of his friend's car, and he cannot have a car of his own, but he looks good when he's out. You know, he doesn't have nowhere to stay. He's staying with his mama or something like that, and you know, but he looks clean. And mm-hmm. before the night's over, she, you know, you might have a couple of women's numbers. You may even get a one-night stand or whatever, and that's where women tend to lose the lose their power because you should try to figure out, okay, well, what does this person do? And, you know, is he somewhat financially stable? I mean, you don't have to get in nobody's pocket, but at the same time, you should know who you're talking to. But if you have any issues as far as finances go, I mean, sometimes you got to take two jobs and put them together. You know, 10 and 10 make 20. You know, 20 and 10 make 30 or whatever. So you just got to be out here hustling. You're out here hustling. Somebody can notice and, you know, things may turn around for you. Okay. And um, I just think that, you know, if you if you really want to put yourself in a position to be a good spouse, and hopefully the person that you wind up with that has the same mindset, take care of your bills. You know, being financially irresponsible won't attract a worthy candidate. Um so if you take care of your situation, take care of that stress level at home, that allows you to be a lot more happier when you're out and about, and happiness is what attracts other people. But, all right, so, Buck, let me ask you this. When it comes to your significant other, all right, let's say you have someone in your life, should you treat them equal to your family and your good friends? Well, I think you should, simply because you're living with that. You know, in some cases, you're living with them. Um, I mean, ultimately, if you are living with them, you you really need to make sure that they, you know, you treat them equally, maybe even even above the line to a a certain extent. Um, I mean, because this is somebody that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, so you you don't want to treat them any differently than you would, you know, your your family to a certain extent, but like I said, I mean, this is somebody that you see every day, so ultimately you want to be happy, 
So, I mean, you may not, you know, once you move out on your own, you're not staying with your folks. You're not staying with your brothers and sisters. So, you know, they take precedence over them. So, you know, you want to be happy, so you, you, you know you want to make sure you be at least equal or above the line in in most cases. Daddy Rich, what do you think? You agree? You got a uh, tell me question again. Do you think that you should treat your significant other as as an the same way you treat your family and good friends? You should treat them all equally. Yeah, yes and no. Yes, uh, if you've been with them a certain amount of time. No, if you know it's a six month thing. But uh, if let's say two years. Oh, yeah, most definitely, you know, you have to treat them like family it's because they are family, just like Buck said, you know, you're living with this person at this point. So, you, yes, you must do that because <laughs> if you don't, you will, won't be with them. <laughs> okay. Amanda, what do you think? I think that it has to do with the um, – the length of time that you've been together. Um, Like they said, I I feel like you should always start with giving that person the benefit of the doubt. Like, so if me and, if me and Buck started dating, you know, this weekend, I should treat him, I should treat him, I should basically treat him that way with the exception of a few things. I mean, you're not going to just have that same comfort level that you would um, people that you've known forever and your best friends, but, with the same certain type of respect until he gives me a reason not to. So while you may not be, you know, if if, if Crystal's my best friend and she said, girl, I need $100, and I say, here you go, you know, no problem. And, you know, I just met Buck, and he's talking about he needs to borrow money. That might draw up a red flag unless you really <laughs> feel like he's talking about, you know, is is legitimate. So I feel like I kind of agree with um with Daddy Rich and as well as with Buck, I think that it it depends on the length of time. And I also feel like you should pretty much go in there giving giving somebody a high score and then start deducting points as they start really showing you who they are. So. Okay. All right. And I, I do think that it does depend on how long you've been together. But I think once you establish that this person is the one, I think that your significant other should be, higher on a pedestal, Um, especially when you get married. When you get married, if your spouse doesn't come before your mom or your dad or whatever, you got problems. Um, So I I think it depends on where you are in the relationship. I do agree with you all there. But I think once you get, you know, to the point to where this person is going to be your husband or wife and everything, then you should put them higher than everyone else. They should be numero uno in every aspect and everyone else should be secondary and that's something that parents should understand friends should understand um i mean it should be that way um, when it comes to um, prioritizing a significant other when they reach the point of, of marriage but all right so here's something important and crystal let me go back to you should the frequency of sex be something that is discussed often before marriage since it tends to change after marriage? Like how often you have sex? Is that something that has to come up in a discussion? How often? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, because um, a lot of times we hear we hear the horror stories about how oh, before we got married, we had sex five times a week. Now that we're married, you know, uh, wedding cake is supposed to be the 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 libido killer. Uh, we only have sex once a month. I mean, so should there be a discussion to try to avoid that type of situation since it just seems to happen without anyone really talking about it? I don't think talking about it would necessarily change that um, because not that that's ever happened to me, but but I don't um, no, I don't I don't think talking about it is necessarily going to change. But you should talk about. Um, with sex is talk about you know is this person a freak or not? I mean, what do they get into? What do they don't get into? Do they like threesomes um, or whatever? Are they bisexual? Are they gay? All those kind of things should be discussed <laughs> beforehand. Um, like um, children, death. That's to me, that's the number one thing to talk about. Children. Yes. Um, if you want them, if you don't want them, if you can't even have any. Um, and how many you already have, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I think that should be talked about. But with um, with sex and romance, to me, that comes along with your actual, you know, your relationship beforehand, um, feeling them out, what kind of person are they, and are you compatible sexually? Because I think that's really important um, to be compatible. Because you can have chemistry but still not be compatible. You mean, you know, this person... And get into things that you had no clue about. And I think that happens a lot in, in relationships and then maybe even marriage where maybe the guy or girl decided, oh, I don't want to talk about these kinds of things until we get married because I don't want to freak him out. Mm, and then once you get married, now. okay, I got them, so let me say, you know, maybe we should have a threesome. I always wanted to do that kind of a stuff. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, um, so those kinds of things should be discussed, yes, before. You I mean, I think everything you could possibly think of, most ridiculous things, when you get to that point where you're talking about spending the rest of your life with someone, you should have all kinds of crazy questions. Just throw it at them anytime you think about it, just to see how they react and to see what the answer is because you'd be surprised. Yeah, so. Okay. And um, on Facebook, Christina says, I think it should be discussed. Chanel Tapper chimed in from Cali. She says, if it has to be discussed, the chemistry isn't great enough to keep a lasting relationship. Okay. So, and Tiandra also says it should be discussed. And Rayford Ellis chimed in uh, from Mississippi and says, absolutely. So they think that it's important, and I, I think that it's important, too. I mean, the the main thing is, if you're not into sex, then please don't take someone who is. Um, you have to be compatible, like um, was was mentioned on, on Facebook, Chanel said there has to be some chemistry. So don't try to, you know, force it if it doesn't fit. But 347-202-0215 is the number on the Top Q Radio show. And Daddy Rich, I'll get you back into the discussion, man. And um, would you marry someone who couldn't cook? You know, and if so, what would you do if you weren't able to cook? Like if you're if you're sick or something. <laughs> Man, better hope my mama is still around where I'm at. If that's the case, 
but I'm not going to judge somebody because they can't cook. That would just be something they're going to have to learn. If both of us can't, she's going to have to go sit with my mama and learn a little bit. You know, that, that's how that goes. But I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna hold that against them. If if you love them, you can't uh, just hold that just because they can't cook. Because that that can be fixed as long as your mama's still around. You know, mama can show her how to do what she needs to do. You know that. First of all, mama's gonna tell you now now, now what's wrong with this girl. First of all, you gotta look at why she why can't she cook her. Her mama not teach her how to do things. You know, but <laughs> all in all. You just go to mama and say, help me out. This woman needs some help. Her mama didn't help her. So you're going to have to be mama for her. Okay, so, no, okay. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't just not, not marry him because of that. That's that's not a something that you uh, would judge somebody over. It's just cooking. Okay. On Twitter, SPKK13 says, nope, I do all the cooking, but he has to at least know the basics. Sudden death is real, and my kids need nutritious meals. And what do you think, Ray? Um, I mean, I mean, I, I know you're married now, but I mean, if you, is cooking important? I mean, not just. I mean, you may know how to cook, but I mean, if you can't cook, then does a your significant other need to know as well? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say it's important, but you know, I feel like you know when the the best cook is not on TV, so I can cook just about anything. And, you know, if it's something that I had never cooked before, you know, how the internet is, just look up recipes and add to it and make something better than how they already got it, you know what I mean? But, you know, it's, it's the each his own. If you can't cook at all, that would be very important. But you, like, I grew up cooking. I've been cooking since I was probably six years old. So, you know... And I was single until I was, damn, shit, probably 30, what, 36 or something like that. So, you know, I, I'm used to it. But my wife can cook. I just do the majority of the cooking. So I would say that it's important, but it's not a deal breaker because I've been cooking for myself so long that I'm used to it, you know. And if somebody mm-hmm. can cook that, it's an added addition. All right, all right. And my thing on on cooking, I think that everyone should know how to cook, even if it's just breakfast. Know how to cook something. Um, I I think that if you cook at least three or four times per week, then that's, you know, kind of a pretty good habit to try to get into place. Because, you know, even if you do marry someone who's a chef, if that person gets sick, or just unable to cook or something, eating out gets expensive. If you have kids, you want to make sure they're eating nutritious meals and everything. So try to learn the basics because you don't want to be giving your kid frozen dinners and microwavables um, if you don't have to. All right, so I think everyone should take an opportunity to learn how to cook. It's really not as hard as it seems. So, all right, so let's move on to something else and, and Buck, I'll go back to you. Um, when you're out on a date, and I'm not talking about a bad date, all right? I'm talking about a date where everything appears to be going well. Do you take your cell phone out a lot? Do you check your cell phone? And if so, then why? No, I I actually don't check my cell phone. I actually turn my cell phone on mute um, simply because cell phones already take enough of our time in, in our daily lives. 
So for me, I'm going to make sure that when I go out on a date or, you know, if I'm just hanging out with my girl at home or something like that, the phone is turned on mute. Anything at that point, whether it's, even if it's business or anything like that, that can wait till tomorrow. We oftentimes, you know, we use our phones and tablets and computers and stuff like that, and that takes away from the moment. Um, and, you know, time is the one thing that they don't make more of. So with that being said, um, you know, I'm giving her my undivided attention. Now, if she's on her cell phone all the time, I mean, regardless of what her career may be or something like that, she put that damn thing down so that way we can, you know, we can enjoy each other. Because, I mean, cell phones, I mean, I put it down. It, it may be beeping and going off and all that kind of stuff, but I'll check it in the morning. You know, it's just you gotta you got to be able to spend quality time with, with whoever, you know, whoever you may be dating because just jumping on the cell phone all the time, it's just, to me, to me it's rude and you taking away from my time. And if you take mm-hmm. my time, I might, I might just get up and leave if, you know, if I'm at her house or something like that. Because, you know, if, you dis, you, if you're going to spend more time on your cell phone and not going to spend it with me, regardless of whether we're going to get down or not, shit, I get I throw the keys in the truck and get the fuck out. I, that's just the way I roll. Okay. All right. And um, let's see, on Facebook... Christina says that she takes her phone out all the time, and I asked her why is that. She says it's a bad habit, but she says if the conversation is going good and he has her attention, she wouldn't need her phone, all right? And, Crystal, what about you? How do you feel about cell phones on dates? And, again, not bad dates, but dates that seem to be going all right. Well, if it's going okay, then I don't need my phone. (laughs) It just makes perfect sense, just like she said. Um, if it's boring, then I'm going to do something else, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean, you have to have a good conversation. You have to give me a reason not to want to look at my phone. I mean, what's the reason? You? Okay. Well, then give me something. Show me something. You know, entertain me. That's why we're here. So, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way she did, you know. I won't have to use my phone if you're going to be good. If you're not good, then I'm going to use my phone. So there it is. Okay. And, and you know, and I think a lot of people, when they get into a relationship, an exclusive relationship, they feel comfortable to the point that they think they can just take their phone out on dates and things of that nature. You can't start developing those type of bad habits. All right. I've dated someone before who used to always take her phone out. And, you know, at first it didn't bother me all that much, but here it is where I'm sitting here with my phone in my pocket, buzzing in my pocket and going off and I'm not checking it. Then I'm getting upset, like, why are you checking your phone? You know, we're we're out on a date, and just because we've been together for a while doesn't mean that, you know, you can take for granted the fact that we're out on a date. So regardless of what part of the point of the relationship you're in, I don't think you should ever... Just, I mean, I know you have to check sometimes if you have kids or something of that nature, but just to be on Facebook or something like that, no, it's not that serious. It's like you're either going to pick social media or love. I mean, take your choice. And um, some people put way too much interest in their cell phones, um, even when they're in committed relationships. 
And that's just not the way to go. The best thing to do, put both phones on the table face, face down and say whoever picks theirs up first has to pay for dinner. And that will curb a lot of that bad behavior. All right, so, <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> pay or do the dishes, Crystal. So We'll go Dutch. <laughs> long damn meal, then. I can talk to who I want to, and then. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda. Um, this is what some, this is something a lot of people struggle with when they're single, Amanda. What's the difference between, in your opinion, between being alone and being lonely? Hmm. I think that being alone is you're comfortable in your own solitude. You're comfortable if it's a Saturday night or whatever night or time of the day it may be, and you're by yourself, but you don't feel the need to be around other people necessarily. You're comfortable doing whatever it is that you want to do by yourself. Whereas when you're lonely, I think that you kind of just want to reach out for somebody, and it's not necessarily a particular person. Um, You just want company, whether it be a pet or a friend or a family member or, you know, you just want to go out and meet somebody just to have, like, some human contact. Um, I think sometimes you can be lonely for a specific person also, whereas, where which basically means that no other person can fill that void. I have to be, you know, I need this person. I'm not going to be satisfied until I'm spending time with this person. So um, I think that, for me, in my opinion, that's the difference. Okay. Okay, interesting perspective there. Nice. And Deanna, oh, I'm sorry, Dana Bowles chimed in from Jackson, Mississippi. She says, being alone is an action. Being lonely is a feeling. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Ray, what do you think, man? What's the difference between being alone and being lonely? Well, being alone, I think it's just having private time to yourself, which to me is is always good. But, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm not saying like that, but, you know, because, you know, I enjoy spending a lot of time with my wife and all, but, you know, if you say, okay, well, this is some me time where I just want to watch a TV program that you may want to watch or whatever the case is or you need to think or whatever whatever it is, you just have some me time. But if you're lonely, you might be sitting in a room or, you know, you calling people up and everything and trying to find out what other people are doing and everybody is busy. Like, you know, one of your girlfriends might be out on a date or one of your homeboys might be going to a party or whatever the case is. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, you can't seem to get attention from anybody. And that seems like that's when you're lonely. But being alone is, you know, it's it's cool. You know, a lot of times okay. you're tired and stressed, you need to be alone. Right. All right. Well, um, Morgan chimed in from New York on Twitter, and she says, um, as far as being lonely and being alone, um, getting into a relationship because you don't want to be alone is a big mistake, or don't want to be lonely is a big mistake. Said I've made that one before, and yeah, you definitely don't want to get in a relationship just for the sake of 
you know, not wanting to be by yourself. That's that's never good. I mean, the main thing on, you know, you have to learn how to be happy being single. If you're not happy with you, then no one else is going to try to be either. So it's very important to learn how to be happy by yourself. And at that point, you know, you can kind of attract other people without even realizing it. So, But another way you can attract other people without probably realizing it is kind of getting out there and dating. And, and Daddy Rich, um, how can dating and dating often help you to find the right mate as well as make you look attractive to others? Well, man, uh, whew, you just got to date the right ones. You know the ones that are in the circles that are that are keep you relevant in the dating situation where you're at. Uh, you know I found that once you get into the 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 right click that you can find the right ones that you want to play with or whatever. <laughs> you want to call it that, you know, because you know we still want to play if, if if we're single at, at, at certain points, but. Then there are those that that are in that circle that uh, don't want to play. They they they're serious, and you you could very well find a good one there. In in my circles, you know, I found a very good one. It was just by chance, but you know, you, you stay in your circle in your lane per se, and you you can find that. But uh, you know, uh, that that's how I did it. You know, I I, I don't know how everybody else does, but that's how I did it. Stayed in my lane. <laughs> All right. So, but how can dating often help you find the right mate, as well as make you look attractive to others? Well, I mean, but I don't know if that's the question you really need to ask me because when my thing is, I'm pretty selective with who I. How, you got to first. You have to know what your you know what you like, and you have to take that consider in, into consideration. You have to have standards is basically what I'm saying. You just can't, you know, you can't settle for second best. When you settle for second best, typically you end up with somebody that, you know, that's undesirable. Um, so my thing is if you know what your standards are and you know what you like, then you hit the nail on the head the first time out, if that makes sense. I've been, I've been very, very fortunate you know, in 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 my you know, in my travels that, you know, I usually hit it on the head and usually stay in a relationship for, you know, a long period of time. you know, one of these three week guys or six month guys or something like that. Usually when I find mm-hmm. guys that really I usually stay in a relationship for a long time. So, you know, I've never had a short relationship, so I'm I'm thankful in that regard. But I mean when you know what you like, then common sense should prevail somewhere. So if you're just going out there, you know, half cop, then that's typically when you have these three-week, four-week, maybe two-month relationships that don't really amount to shit. So you got to know what you like. And if you're going out there, you know, just trying, just because you're lonely and you, you know, you're going out there just hit, you know, just trying to hit it, then that's when you, you know, you run across people that, you know, these chicken heads or whatever, and, you know, you end up with somebody that you, you know, undesirable and you on again, off again type deal. Okay. All right. Well, I think that um, that dating 
is very important. I think people should get out and date. Don't sit at home and waiting on the one to show up at your house. I mean, where are the odds someone's going to, you know, come to your house? Who is it? I'm your spouse. You know, that's that's not going to happen. So you have to kind of get out and mix it up a little bit. And a lot of times when you're out and about, then people see that you're happy. It can be attractive to other people. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people are actually paying attention to what you're doing. So get out, have fun, and it's okay to date. Now, on Facebook, Rayford chimed in again, and he has a different opinion. He says, dating too often will make people wonder what's wrong with your ass. Why can't you keep a man or a woman? So, yeah, there goes to be some, but those are people with negative mindset states, um, so you really shouldn't care what they think anyway, but, uh, yeah, you're right, people are going to probably think that, too. There's always going to be some type of opposite reaction. There's going to be a positive, there's going to be a negative. And so, um, Crystal, <laughs> do you think that smiling, something as simple as smiling, can make a difference in someone's approach to you. And this is something especially for ladies. And I know I'm not talking about when some guys like smile, you look better. I just mean just in general about someone having to bug you about it. What was the question? Should, can, should we smile? Yeah, no. Do you think that, that smiling can make a difference in someone's approach to you? Um, If a guy is smiling at me, or if I'm smiling. Either one. Or I'm, both. Okay, I'm not familiar with smiling much, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, people tell me this. But, yeah, if, you, if you're a smiling person, if you smile and you, you appear to be happy, um, that you love life and everything, then, yeah, people are attracted to you because people tend to be attracted to people who are happy. You know? So, yeah. She seems like a happy girl. I, I think that's it. I think that's it in a nutshell. Anyone disagree? Okay, okay. I think that is it in a nutshell. Um, I, it just if you look approachable, then people will approach. Uh, if you're main mugging twenty four seven, then I feel like you deserve to be alone. That's just how how it works. But um, I just and I'm not saying walk around with big. You know, Nene Leaks, Nene Leaks grin on your face or anything like that. But I'm just saying, just look like you don't mind if someone walks up and says something to you. Don't be sitting around with your fist balled up, in other words. Okay. A few more questions, and uh, we get ready to wrap this topic up. 347-202-0215 is the number. If anyone chooses to join, be right back after this message. Let's chat at greatchats.com. It's free to join. www.gr8chats.com. Join now. gr8chats.com. Hey, this is Lisa Dean from chilltowntv.com and Lele's Ultimate Date from Hell, and you are listening to the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. All right, and we're back. Finish up the topic on tips on how to get married successfully, you know, and, and, and stay married. But, okay, so, Amanda, why is it so easy? And this is a big one. Why is it so easy to think with our hearts 
instead of our brains when it comes to relationships that may not be good for us? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think that we've all been there where, you know, you were in a relationship that felt good in some ways, but in, but in your mind you knew it wasn't the best thing for you because there were just certain things that didn't click, but maybe there was other components that made you say, hey, you know, this is who I want to be with. And a lot of times um, I think people can like the packaging and they know that this woman or this man is no good for them, but they like the package that they come in, whether it be um, the physical or it could be the package of the fact that this person has a good job or they have a lot of money or they have power or they're a respected person in the community or whatever it may be. So I think a lot of times we're we're trying to hold on to something because it looks good to other people. Okay. And I think that also, I think in a lot of cases, people just don't want to be, like you said, we were talking about earlier about lonely and being alone. A lot of people don't want to be lonely. They don't want to be without um, a mate. So, you know, in their mind, they know that this person isn't the best move, but they don't want to let that person go. And a lot of times you you genuinely do love that. You do love the other person, but um, you're holding on to that relationship based on your emotions instead of the logic. Okay. And, Ray, from a guy's perspective, man, I mean, you know, we know a woman may not be good, but we see that big round brown and we don't know how to act. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going around in every hood in the country. I mean, it all depends on what you like, you know what I mean, and how, how mature your mindset is. I mean, you you can be a guy and, you know, you have to have standards for yourself, you know, and it's easy to get a woman that is good-looking pretty much if you have certain ducks in a row. But my question always is the guy is how do you have that woman? You know what I mean? If I was single, I could take a girl that's 20 and got two kids, and I'd go out here and work all day. She can spend time in my crib on the Internet and on her cell phone and watching TV and even got to work. Yeah, she's fine as hell, but at the same time, you're spending to get her. If you're spending money to get her, that ain't no good. That's that's the sucker move right there. But a lot of guys are like that. You James know, Hardy. and yeah, you know, and if you want to say, age of him, I mean, you know, he's famous for it. But you know, he's spending money, and. You know, some people don't care as long as they get what they want. But at the same time, if you want to have a good time, if you want to have a relationship, you want to have a relationship, you got to have some sort of standards. Because if you don't, you always going to end up with something you don't want. And then if, you know, she give it up to you like that, how many other guys she did that with before you? So, you know, you got to think about that. Okay. I mean, I think that um, one of the most difficult things there is to do in a relationship is to pay attention to actions and not words. Because there are some people who are so good with their words and we're so attracted to them for whatever reason, like Amanda was mentioning earlier. And we just get caught up and we're like, well, nah, 
that that that's not what's going on. That's not what I'm seeing. They're not doing this or they're not doing that. And you see some of the same signs you may have seen with other people's relationships, but you try to justify why it feels different to you. And that's just one of the most, most basic mistakes that a lot of us make in relationships. I mean, I know I've done it. I'm pretty sure every one of us who has dated for any substantial amount of time has done that. Yeah, everybody that's dated pretty much has been hit on the chin. You know, mm-hmm. nobody is undefeated in this dating game. You know, Chris right. Brown, them all the money they got, they all mad because somebody say something about the ex-girlfriend. Oh, she looked nice. There you go, flying off the handle. So it's happened to, to, to the best of people. But, you know, you just have to learn from it. And you got to watch actions more than words. I always feel like as I got older, you got to peel back that onion. To see mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. Oh, I don't do nothing. I'll be home. And, you know, you can call. Every time you call, you can't get them. That's a sign right there. That's back in the day before cell phones and all that was going. You know what I mean? So you just got to take a look and see what it looked like. More so than what it actually looked like. Not looking at the behind, you got to look at the front. <laughs> Okay. All right. And well, Daddy Rich, I mean, one way to kind of realize when, you know, because we don't always see things because, you know, it's easier to see from the outside looking in. So we may not always see the bad situation that we're in. How important is it to have friends and family that you can actually trust for their opinion on a love interest? Or do you think you should never get friends and family involved? Man, that's, that's uh, one of those uh, line things, you know, it's, it's on the line because sometimes family can hurt you and sometimes family can help you. And, uh, you know, you have to really be alert of what's going on. Pay attention to the advice that you're getting from your family, especially family because family has a biased opinion sometimes when it comes to relationships, as you know especially mamas. Uh mm-hmm. and you have to really you have to really pay attention to what they're saying and decipher what's BS and just what they think and what's actually facts. And you know, so that can be that can be a really a really tough situation for a person and and cause a little stress there because you you don't want to upset either side. But you know, I would say that Sometimes you 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 have to find a person in your family or a friend, a close friend that has uh, an opinion that just really doesn't, you know, they're they're giving you opinion, but they don't have a, a side that they're taking. Maybe somebody that knows both of you guys that's good friends that can give you good good advice. Okay. And Buck, how do you feel about friends and family, man? Is it important to have people you can trust? Or should you always keep them out of uh, relationship matters? Well, ultimately, you should handle your relationship matters yourself. However, I mean, it is good to bounce some information off of family and friends from time to time. But ultimately, when it comes to relationships, you don't want to get too many people involved. You really want to handle that on your, on, your, on your own. You should be able to, you know, mature enough to sit down with your 
the Mexican elder, you have a problem, sit down and talk about it. Um, if you get into a situation where they don't want to talk about it, maybe, you know, then it's time to bounce. Um, you know, and not waste your time. Time, like I said earlier, is one thing they don't make more of. So, I mean, time is valuable, so you got to make sure that you, you know, do your due diligence and make sure you do it, you know, make sure you take, you know, use your, utilize your time wisely. So, if the, you know, your significant other is not willing to make changes in the things that there is necessary to help the relationship, in a lot of ways you got to make changes. And it may not be a change that you necessarily like um, mm-hmm. because you spend time with that significant other, but you have to do what you need to do to be happy. So, one of them things. All right. All right. I mean, I, I just feel like don't ever ask the opinions of your family and friends about your relationship unless there's 100% trust. Okay. If there's not 100% trust there, then don't do it. Um, now, you have, just like with me, I have a lot of people who come to me because they know I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be unbiased. I will tell someone when it's their fault, you know. Well, that's also why some people avoid asking my opinion. But um, so you have to have someone that you can trust 100% uh, to give you an honest assessment of what you may be looking at in a relationship. You know, you can't have your hating friend who can't keep a man. You can't have your hating cousin who just wants to holler at your woman. You know, you got to have someone who's really down for you and your best interest. Uh, and and now honestly, that's that's hard enough. You're alone trying to maintain a relationship, so. <laughs> but it's something that you should do if you get someone involved at all. All right, last question, and this is really important when it comes to attracting a mate, keeping a mate, and moving on to the next step. And uh, let me go to you, Crystal. Could you see yourself with someone who is not confident? Um, no. Okay, thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you want to build on that a little bit? Well, that's kind of a yes or no question. <laughs> but, sure. um, no, I, um, first of all, a confidence, a man who is confident in himself is what I'm attracted to. Uh, so, that's number one anyway. Uh, um, confidence is important because it affects so many parts of your life. Uh, it affects, you know, sometimes your job. It affects um, how you look at the world. Um, it affects how you how you treat other people and how you, you know, treat yourself. So, uh, so that's very important to me just generally. But I'm not attracted to people who are not confident or men who are not confident. So, so I don't usually run into these guys, at least not to actually have a relationship with. I usually uh-huh. I can sometimes I run into them just for dating, but um, but I I don't stay with them. So very important. Okay, um, Amanda, what do you think? Um. I think I pretty much agree with Crystal. I feel like if a guy was maybe slightly, slightly less confident than I feel like he should be, that might be acceptable because maybe 
I could help build his confidence. But if he's just a person, he has no confidence whatsoever. I couldn't I couldn't see myself being in a relationship with him because it would be a matter of like everything would be you know like like Crystal was saying that affects so many different things from your job to your sexual performance to just just anything and then a lot of times when you're not confident you're insecure and that becomes oh well you know who's this who's this Quincy guy you're talking to or who's this person you know it's like everything becomes it it just blows up when I think when a person lacks confidence it creates so many other issues and it can affect you so many different places in your life so I feel like I couldn't be with a person long term who didn't have um at least at least a decent amount of confidence Okay. And um, I, I get that completely. And let me get a guy's perspective. Daddy Rich, what about a woman who's not confident in herself? Man, you got you to let them ride, man, because you need somebody that's confident in themselves, man. You, you, it, we're grown. First of all, we're grown. And we can't be babysitting. And, and that's the bottom line. I, I can't babysit somebody that don't have no confidence to go out there and get it because I'm out there getting it and I need somebody out there getting it too so we can put it together and have it. Okay. And um, confidence is is very important. Um, I mean, if you're not confident, if you're the type of person who's unsure of yourself, then you're going to run the risk of attracting manipulators. All right, someone who can manipulate people can sniff out um, someone who's not confident. I mean, it's almost like a, um, a lion on the Serengeti looking for a weak antelope. You know, they can just find out which one is not all that fast. And so it's really important for people to be confident. It's, it's easier said than done in a lot of places, I mean, in a lot of cases, but ultimately you have to understand how important it is to be sure of yourself. And I think like, um, I don't know if it was Crystal or Amanda, one of them said about how it can affect you not just in relationships but on the job um, as well, which also can have an impact on your relationship. If if you're getting promotions on the job, you're better financially, which means there's less stress at home, which means that you're happier. Uh, all that kind of ties in together. So be confident, if, if nothing else, when it comes to relationships all right and um i mean those are just some tips that i want to throw out to everyone and i mean it may work for you it may not it depends on how seriously you take it or what type of perspective you have towards it but um ultimately we should all strive to if marriage is your goal we should all strive to work on ourselves. And that way, that will allow certain people to come into our lives, all right? Because if you're – don't think that, okay, I just happen to always come across bad people, all right? At some point, you got to say to yourself, it's not them, it's me, okay? I'm attracting them by something that I'm doing or not doing. And there's so many factors involved in finding a spouse, but the main thing one needs to do is – Take care of their own business. If you're not struggling financially, if you're not overburdened with children, if you're not always angry at the world, 
if you're willing to get out and do things, then you'll be surprised at the number of positive people you will encounter. I mean, people with ulterior motives know how to sniff out those who aren't in a position to succeed. So put yourself in a position to succeed, and viable candidates will come along, and you'll learn how to recognize them as well. So stop letting people tell you that relationships are hard work. They're only hard if you choose the wrong person. Pay attention to a person's actions and not their words, and you'll be able to weed out 99% of all the bad eggs out there and work your way into the heart of someone who's worth it. All right. Um, I just came across a picture of the black bun Whopper that I guess Burger King is doing for Halloween, and a lot of people have been hating on it, but it was funny. I saw a meme that talked about how people will eat the booty like groceries, but they want to trip over a Whopper with a black bun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, my, my, and also, I want to send a shout to the people on Facebook and Twitter who were all over the place with the tweet chat and Facebook chat tonight, and uh, you all did a great job, so I want to give you all a little round of applause. But, uh, I mean, on Twitter, there's Morgan, there's M. Dottie, the Greek Empress, uh, Bill Janice, SBKK13. Uh, and I apologize if I missed anyone. And on Facebook, Old School Chinese, my man Tony, Rayford Ellis is new to the show. Christina, who joined the show last week, um, or the, the chat last week, is Dana Bowles, Tiandra, Robin Peppers Hunt, Chanel Tapper, Shonda. All of you, I appreciate everyone who participated. I'm sorry if I missed anyone. Um, tomorrow, September 30th at 10 p.m. Eastern, we'll discuss the new millennial dating craze, Netflix and Chill. What exactly is it, and why is it an acceptable form of dating? So that's tomorrow on the Talk to Q radio show, that and more. No experts, just opinions. Brought to you by TruthDevour.com, CrystalHickerson.com, and Facebook.com forward slash Knots for Change. All right. Before, you know, I'm not going to get the final thoughts yet. I have another question I want to get in y'all. Y'all have some time? Uh, yeah, y'all, 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 y'all ain't got nothing to do. All right, so. Um, I'm just going to do go around with everyone really quick, and I'm going to start with Daddy Rich. Daddy Rich, you're at a birthday party with your woman. You're standing around a bunch of people with her, and this dude asks her to try his drink. Your woman takes his glass and sips his drink. I mean, what's your reaction to that, man? Is that disrespectful, or is it just reading too much into it? Daddy Rich? I'm here. You repeat the question. And, man, it's a long question, bro. You're at a birthday party with your woman, and you're standing around a bunch of people, and some dude asks her to try his drink, maybe some dude she knows or works with, and she takes his glass you know, that he's been drinking out of and tries his drink. What's your reaction to that? <clears throat> Well, I'm hoping that I'm eyeing something else around there because I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I got the. I'm, I'm hoping that when I first get there, I seen something that struck my eye, so that therefore I can just look at her and say, "That's all good, baby," because I've already moved on anyway. You know, because if, if that happens, basically, 
she's telling me she ain't she ain't feeling me like that. So I'm I'm just gonna let her go on and move on too. You know, I'm gonna slide, I'm gonna slide and let her slide. Try to drink whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, but what's, what's your opinion on it, man? Man, that's disrespectful, man. I mean, come on. I mean, now if it's a family member or something like that, that's one thing. But if it's just a total stranger, that's disrespectful, man. You don't come up to my lady and asking and asking you to asking her to kiss your. Well, I mean, is it disrespectful for him to ask? You may not know who you are. Is it disrespectful for her to do it? It's disrespect both, both. I mean, come on. I mean, that you, you know, you better find your dad and ask him himself, you know, to test the drink. You ain't gonna ask mine to test your drink. You know what your drink tests like when you leave the damn bar. Don't be asking her to test the drink. That's just his way of trying to get, you know, get over there on your lady. You know, he, he lucky he might not get his ass whooped. Don't come over there asking my woman to test your damn drink. What the fuck wrong with you? You mad at like him? You may not know who you are. I don't know why you mad at him. Hey, but. bottom line is, you don't ask my lady to test your drink. Now, if it's somebody that she knows, you know, that she's known for a long time, that's different. But, you know, if you're a total stranger and you're coming up I didn't say it was a stranger now. I, say, I said it can be a coworker or anybody. Well, I mean, I think it's disrespectful, to be honest with you. And you know what your drink tastes like when you leave the bar. I mean, come on, all of us drink. I think I think all of us drink anyway. Bottom line, bottom line is that's just not something that you do. That's disrespectful. So you know what your drink tastes like. You don't need nobody else to taste it for you. They just come might on. want her to, to try it out for herself. All I'm saying is, click the heel three times, come back to Kansas. Don't do it on my. Don't do it on my watch. <laughs> that's right. Better be like Rich. And have something else in the making when you first get there. Be looking. Believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, what do you think, man? <laughs> well, if he saw me come in with her, or he know. Uh, Let's say he, he doesn't is. know. Let's say he doesn't know. Let me throw that out there. He does not know that you're with her. Y'all standing in a group of people, there's a bunch of people around. And he just walks up and say, you know, hey, this tastes good. Why don't you try it? Take a hit. No, well, I, I can't see my lady doing nothing like that, but... um, This is a true know, story, by the way. I would definitely say something if if he didn't know who I was, then I might give him the benefit of the doubt. But he knew who I was. I'd go off in his mouth. But if he didn't know who I was or thought she was there by herself or something like that, now I would say, you know... You know what the hell going on? You shouldn't be taking drinks from a stranger. So, you know, tell me something or whatever. But you know, there's nothing you really can do if he didn't know who you were. Because but if, just but if she takes the point. drink, but if she takes yeah, the drink the and she sips it, then I mean, there's no reaction to her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you okay. ask him what the hell going on. I mean, you can't really. You know, clown and choke out or nothing, but you can say, you know, basically what's going on. <laughs> and, you know, get an understanding of why this just occurred. But I think that if you in a relationship and that's your girl, girl, I think she should know what your reaction would be and what your temperament would be 
in the first place, and they wouldn't do mm-hmm. nothing like that. So, I mean, but if if it were a situation, you know, I would definitely talk to her if the dude didn't know who I was. You see, and you know, and then you make it known that she here with somebody. Now, at that point, he's out of it. Now you talking to her. Now if he wanna, you know, do like guys do and say something else after that, after you've already gave him a pass and all that, it's all it's gonna go bad. Because you halfway want to go upside his head, but you know it ain't his fault. So you talk to your girl, but he say anything behind that, then it's a problem. All right, and see the scenario that happened. I'm at a bar, and it's a bunch of us there. And this guy walks up, and he has this, well, I would consider it somewhat of a feminine drink. But anyway, he has this drink that he's sipping on, and (laughs) he (laughs) he tells this girl to try it. And now she said, no, she didn't want to try it. But then he said, well, I don't like the cherries. Do you want the cherry out of the drink? And she said, yeah. So he took the cherry out, dangled it over her, and she bit it, you know, like he was feeding her. And, you know, her dude got mad, and he had a little argument right there and everything. So that's what kind of gave me the idea for the scenario. But let me go to the ladies and get their opinion, and I'll start with Crystal. Crystal, you're at the nightclub with your man, a bunch of people sitting around partying. You know, maybe it's a birthday party or something. And some woman, you know, tells your man, hey, why don't you try a piece of this cake and feed your man cake? All right, and he accepts the bite. You know, she feeds him with the fork and everything. What's your reaction? Okay, well, I would be pissed off about that. Um, That's almost like two different scenarios in a way, because the first scenario is just completely disgusting. I mean, why would I take a drink from somebody I don't know? And if I'm taking a drink from someone or even a cherry or whatever the fuck, I'm, I'm screwing him. Okay, I mean because I have I have I have a lot of intimate relationship with him. I don't take drinks or you know to someone sipping on unless I'm intimate with him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that doesn't. Yeah, she meant intimate beforehand, now. right? Not not afterwards. Yeah, yeah, oh, intimate beforehand, of course. Wow. Otherwise, somebody. Oh, you guys always think linear, but yeah, intimate. Beforehand, I've already fucked him at some point. <laughs> because why would I do that with just some random person? You wouldn't do that. Who would? Who does that? Okay, and that's crazy. Anyway, check with the cake. You know, bitches try shit like that all the time. Cause that's just that's just the way women work. Okay. Now the fact that he did it, I would smash the fucking cake in his face for doing it because. I'm sitting there. She tried it. Okay, whatever. So I'm going off on his ass now. If she wants to step in and say something to me, then I'll have to go after her ass too. But see, I'm leaving her alone because I ain't fucking her. You know, so unless I was fucking her too. But, you know, if I'm not fucking her or if I don't, like she's my, my, my friend, you know, or my sister or somebody, you know, intimate with me, then I wouldn't deal with her. I would deal with the person who's close to me. That's who I did deal with. But yeah, that's some bullshit right there. And girlfriend in the club 
was wrong. First of all, who takes a bite out of a cherry that is dangled over your tongue? Who does that unless you're fucking them? Who does that? Or you want to. Maybe you think you can, but, I mean, what the fuck is that? Oh, hell, that's a B-down right there. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I mean, damn. I mean, I'm not sitting here. What the fuck? That's a what the what the fuck? You know, I'm confused. So if a motherfucker's confused about what they're looking at, somebody's asking to get whooped. That's some bullshit, man. I mean, what the fuck? You should have beat that ass crazy. Uh, she he should have kicked her motherfucking ass. I mean, what the fuck? I don't even deal with dudes. Look at Ray Eggie. No, I'm serious. That's some bullshit right there. I mean, she, and he's sitting right there. What the fuck is that? No. Crushed down. It's okay. She's crazy. <laughs> She's crazy. I'm so glad. She's looking for an asshole. I'm so glad. And Amanda, uh, there's not much left to say behind that, but I'll let you chime in on, on either scenario. I mean, is it disrespectful for someone to eat and drink after someone else, even I mean, even if they know them, they may have been coworkers for ten years. You know, is it disrespectful for them to do that? Yeah, it's it's disrespectful. That's that's the bottom line. I mean, if you if you know the person well enough, see the thing is, even if you would do it, like if nobody else was around, or like Crystal said, maybe you kind of like this guy, or you guys flirt at work, or maybe you once had a relationship, or whatever it is. If you're there with your significant other, it's going to be a problem, and there's there's no way around it because it's almost like the fact that this person is taking care of you. It's not even, you know, minus the germs or the, you know, the exchanging of saliva by sharing a fork or a drink or whatever or the concern that what if there's something in the drink and that person's trying to, you know, trying to slip you something or whatever. Minus, just, you know, get past all that. It's the simple fact that, a person of the opposite sex is trying to take care of my man or his woman. That's really where the disrespect comes from, and especially in their presence. So that's, I mean, it's, it's disrespectful. Now, is it, the, is it the worst thing that ever happened in the history of life? No, but it's bad enough that you know if you did. I know if I did it, I know that Ray is not going to let me forget it forever. Ever. <laughs> like, 50 years, so we've been at our 50th wedding anniversary, and, you know, he'll he'll still be thinking about it. Anytime a guy, he sees a guy with a drink in his hand, he'll be like, you remember that time? So I know better. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it's, a, I think it's just a disrespect um, part of it. I think it is, too. I think it's very disrespectful. And on Facebook, Tiandra says, Crystal, I'm with it. So she has she has your back on that one, Crystal. But um, I think it's very disrespectful. And it's, we were kind of just looking when it happened, and this dude was sitting right there. I mean, he had the perfect bird's eye view of this guy dangling a cherry over his woman's mouth and her extending her tongue and taking it in. I mean, but I guess she thought it was fun. I don't know how much she had to drink or anything like that. But he never, I never saw him say anything to the guy, but he had some words for her. And she didn't think it was that big of a deal. But, um, yeah, I don't know what the outcome was. I don't know if she had to call an Uber to get home or what happened. But 
he was not very happy, and I, I can guarantee you, I I don't think the average guy would have been very happy with that at all. That could have very easily turned into a situation to where, all right, well, that dude's going to take you home. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how the thing goes, a woman that drinks, that's not your pussy, that's everybody's pussy. <laughs> I've never heard that. Oh, oh man. Great smoke weed is not yours, it's everybody. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let me go ahead and we'll get into our final thoughts. And Daddy Rich, I'll start with you, man. Man, good show, man, Q, and I appreciate you uh, getting my boy on here, man. Uh, that was a good thing. Had a good time, man. And uh, Yeah, it was cool to speak to him, man. That's an 11-year vet in the NFL. Man, no doubt, no doubt, man. We go back a long way. And uh, he, he said that uh, we're going to get Nikki on here, Nikki Caldwell on here soon, uh, <clears throat> so you guys can okay. talk to her. Okay, yeah, I, I remember figured, her when she was at Tennessee playing ball. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, I figured he would say Belichick was the guy that inspired him. But, I, you know, I I didn't know later on that Nikki had uh, really done some inspiration because she is really an inspiration to a lot of us around here. Actually, my, uh, my wife, soon-to-be wife, she uh, mentored her back in the day because uh my wife's mom was uh the assistant uh athletic director for the Tennessee the UT women and they kind of got her to do a little thing to help mentor her because she was having a little troubles back when she was young so you know Nikki came into my life a little later but didn't even know it so yeah, we should have a good you should have a good show with her She's got a lot to tell, uh, a lot about Pat Summit, which you guys, uh, you know, she's a historical situation. Yeah. Uh, so she'll have a lot of info about that, man, and I think you guys will really enjoy her stories about Pat. Uh, also, I could have my, my, my wife come on. She, she has a lot of stories about Pat because she was really close to Pat with her mom uh, being the athletic director and uh, Joan Cronin. There's a lot of stories that we, that she has that she could tell you guys uh, about uh, UT basketball, football, everything. So, uh, you know, okay. good show, like I said, Q, uh, and we're, we're going to make this thing big, Crystal. When you get your, you get your show running and, and get it going, we'll, we'll hype it up. You know, Daddy Rich will bring that touch to it, baby. You heard me? <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, DR. And Buck, <laughs> Buck, your final thoughts, bro. Great show as always. Glad to have some NFL, you know, NFL veteran on the, you know, on the show. And now, you know, seeing him in the coaching ranks, that's real cool. Um, also, you know, topics are outstanding. I mean, when it comes to relationships and things of that nature, you know, you really have to, you know, communication. I always say it's the key. It's very, very important. And when you communicate, you know, communicate face-to-face, not via text, not via cell phone. Because a lot of times when we text, you know, things get misconstrued. When you get things misconstrued, you know, that can put a dagger in your relationship. So it's best to 
you know, sit down and talk face-to-face so that way you can get things out because it's better to find out on the front end than on the back end because you may, you know, fool around and deprive yourself of a great human experience or a great relationship even um, when you don't communicate. Um, when you don't communicate and, you you know, you may be feeling one way and, you know, that's the reason why your actions are showing different than, you know, than what your words are, are saying. That's how things kind of get messed up. So, you, you know, you either end up by yourself or you end up in a relationship that's not worth a shit. So, anyway, great show as always. We'll hang on for a little bit of zone coverage. Hopefully Crystal will talk about them Detroit Lions and <laughs> I already know Crystal's reaction, so I'll play it for Ain't you. Nobody got time for that. Amanda, <laughs> can I get your final thoughts. Sure. Um, great show. I enjoyed you guys tonight. Um, I think that when it comes to relationships, and especially getting married, or if you're a person that wants to get married, you have to look at yourself. You have to be honest with yourself and what it is that you expect out of a relation out of a relationship, but you have also have to make sure that the the things that you're looking for or that you're asking for that that you're not you're not a, a you know you're not a, a McDonald's Happy Meal out there trying to get you know Ruth's Steakhouse type you know you you have to make sure mm-hmm. that you're that you're giving the same thing that you're expecting. Right, don't and, be a black and whopper. <laughs> you you know, it's, it's a lot of people that you hear talking about, oh, I want to get married, when am I going to find my mate? And sometimes you're looking at that person and you're just like, man, you really need to get yourself together first. You know, um, it's just a lot of things that you see and sometimes I just shake my head and you, you try to be as nice as you can and try to put guide the person in the right direction, but... You know, people are so crazy these days. They feel like, you know, they feel like they're perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. And they want, you mm-hmm. know, they have all these problems, but they want the perfect man. They want this man that has, you know, perfect teeth and the perfect credit score. And he has to have this and he has to be that and he has to make this much. And he has to be this tall. And, you know, he can't. It's just like, what are you what are you really looking for? And all of us, you know, we all have some type of or had some type of image of what we wanted, but... There's one thing of having a fantasy, and then there's a thing of where you have to be realistic. Not saying you need to lower your standards, but you know you can't expect literally expect Prince Charming, and you know and just turn everybody else down because you're gonna be lonely forever. But you know, it's I think it's just a lot of uh, it's one of those things where with marriage you just have to look at yourself and and you have to make sure that you know what you're getting because with marriage a lot of times people are expecting this fairy tale. They expect for two people to come together and you live happily ever after, and you just never know what's going to come about in your life or your relationship. So, you know, it's a lot of patience and a lot of understanding and, most importantly, unconditional love. So if you don't have that, then marriage isn't for you. But, you know, great show, and I really enjoyed you guys, and I hope everybody has a great night. Thank you very much, ma'am. Glad to have you back on. And Ray, what say you find, sir? Yeah, you know, I agree a lot of what my wife has to say. I mean, relationships, I think a lot of people want that wanna get married, they uh 
think about the fantasy of getting married instead of the actual work you have to put into it. And, you know, I think you have to first get yourself together or be willing to make certain sacrifices in order to, you know, get in the mindset of getting married. Like you have a lot of people say what they're looking for, what they want the other person to do, and, you know, and if you're a man, you're supposed to do this and that. But if you're a female, you have to know your job first before you can tell a man how to do his because you have never been a man. So, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of these ladies haven't even been raised by a man. So you can't tell a man nothing too much. You have to come together and get an understanding, you know, and I think you have to have a lot of communication. You don't have a lot of communication, you know, you get married based off of lust and everything else. That's no different than a boyfriend that decided to come down to the church. That's the only difference. You know, you have to get an understanding with whoever it is that you think you're in love with and find out exactly what their expectations are or, you know, get an idea of what they want to do for the future. But, you know, I just think you have to be honest and know what you're looking for, and you'll be all right. But that's easier said than done. But it was a great show, great topic. Now bring on some of that zone coverage. All right, man. I appreciate it, sir. And, Crystal, shut this half of the show down for me, please. All right. Um, well, I don't think I'm closer to getting married. I was hoping I would be after the show. But I'm not. <laughs> You're closer to whooping somebody, though. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't learned anything. I was so glad um, there was no one in the house with you because they might have got choked out. Anyway, um, well, anyway, I, I mean, I think for myself, I'm not, you know, I'm done with all that stuff in marriage and, you know, relationships. This is too much work. I can't take it. It's just annoying. But I do like the idea of something Ray was saying, um, and I think Amanda said, you know, I, I like the idea of marriage. And... I like the idea of having, you know, someone, you know, there for you and all that. But the reality of it, no, I don't think so. No. Dating is fine. Screwing is cool. (laughs) But um, that's about it. (laughs) As far as I'm going to go. But I think it's great for other people. I think it's wonderful, and I think that um, I'm, you know, I love couples. I love weddings, you know, I do. But I love, I like the fantasy part of it, so I like looking at it from afar. I like congratulating other people, and I think it is a beautiful thing to have um, what Amanda's talked about regarding unconditional love, which is something that is, you know, it's definitely required when you're going to spend your life with somebody. And um, it is good to have someone who who will be there for you when, you know, the chips are down in your life um, and when they're up and you can celebrate with someone and, you know, grow old with someone. I think that is, that's what we all want and, and some, you know, we actually, you know, actually do need 
um, but whether we get it or not is a completely different story. But I think that's some of the purposes of life. We are supposed to couple. That's what we're supposed to do, actually. But but anyway, um, good show. So bring on zone coverage. Thank you very much. And in the meantime, you're just going to keep dating and screwing, right? <laughs> Mainly screwing. I don't like dating either. <laughs> no, I ain't saying you don't screw. Screw and screw. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we got to work on you, baby. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring you back from the dark side, sweetheart. <laughs> no, I like it here. They're my friends. <laughs> Appreciate you all joining the show. Hopefully, some of these tips helped everyone. If you, if everyone paid attention, they'll notice that a lot of the times, the questions or the tips are kind of aimed at, you know, how we look at ourselves, things that we may need to do to improve upon ourselves. And if everyone's working on themselves, then it's going to be that much easier when they come across someone um, who may be interested in taking things to the next level. So. But my thanks to my official sponsors, TruthDevour.com, CrystalHickerson.com, and Facebook.com forward slash Knots for Change. Thanks to my show legends, callers, tweet chatters, and Facebookers. You all did a an excellent job tonight in social media. I couldn't read everything you were putting out there, but I was checking it out, laughing at half of it. Uh, my girl M. Dottie from Florida still has me wiping tears with some of the things she said. The upcoming show schedule can be found at TalkToQ.com. And if you want to hear previous shows, then subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or go to the Good Radio Network and get caught up. For those of you not into sports, have a good night and peace out. To everyone who wants to talk a little football or some other stuff, stay tuned for some zone coverage. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs> Coverage, talking sports, mainly the NFL, 
from sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. You know how we get down. But I do want to start actually um, with some basketball. And uh, Ray, I know you're a Bulls fan, and Derrick Rose was interviewed recently, and he made some comments about looking forward to free agency and the money. Uh, I think he's two years away from being a free agent. And although, you know, it's well within his rights to say that, uh, do you think it was smart as far as, you know, as far from a fan perspective? Because the, the fans have kind of waited on him to live up to his contract. He keeps getting hurt. But the fans still come out and support him, man. So you think that was a, a kind of a, a backhand slap at them, maybe unintentionally? Uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, Derrick Rose, I think, of all people, you know, he needs $20 million a season for the last three years, I believe it was, because he signed a five-year deal. And he barely played on that contract. Yeah, he's played like 100 and now. 102 games, I think, out of like the last 300 and something. Yeah, so, you know, to be talking about money, I mean, to kind of drift away from their rules a little bit, I just don't know what's going on in the NBA period. Because, oh, uh, but um, I, I don't know what's going on in the NBA period. You know, guys, they trending tops in and wanting $17, $18 million a year, and they paying these guys. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Barnes turned down four years, $64 million. What do you want, Clay Thompson money? You're not an all-star. You have never been an all-star. Won't make an all-star team. I just don't understand where the NBA is going. I'm all for guys getting paid. Like but LeBron and Kevin Durant and all them, you deserve the money you get, $40 million. But these guys that have never been to an all-star game, how can you say you want a maximum contract? You know, and it's it's getting insane. I mean, somebody will pay Derrick Rose if he's healthy. You probably play on two group leagues when his contract is up. You got this DeMarco Murray disease, you see, and teams are willing to pay for that. So, yeah, I think it was a wrong move for Derrick Rose to see that. And, you know, I think his family and his brother and everybody, they too much into his business. And I think we should have traded him when he was playing well. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, these guys want these $25, $30 million a year, and you barely been on the court. You know, I don't agree with that. Okay. And Daddy Rich, you gonna say something? Yeah, man, uh Ray Ray's right, man, but I, I Rose Derrick Rose is done. He's done. And he's 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 damaged good. He's he's like you said, he's never played really a full season, really, except for that I think his rookie year, wasn't it? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Well, he had the MVP season. He played. I mean, once you play seventy-five games and seventy-two or something, we can deal with that. But that yeah. twenty-three and thirty-four and all that, you know, you already. That's why we guys say we want all this money, and teams have to pay you when you're injured 
people don't realize you getting two hundred fifty thousand dollars a game and you got a suit on and you ain't playing. That's what we gotta look at. You know what I'm saying? And guys just want more and more and more and more and you ain't saving no money. I mean, I was looking at the Manning boys the other day. He went to the old high school. They had a pair of khakis on and, 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 a, and a polo shirt. You know, they ain't worried about nobody saying they hating on them and all this and that because those guys know how to conduct themselves. And they got more money than you You know, that's for the guys that wearing all the chains and everything. I'm all for getting dressed. But don't get money and then throw it all the way. And then talk about the team ain't paying you. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I just didn't think it was very smart of him to say. And, um, you know, you don't want fans to turn against you, not when you got two old years, especially. But, okay. Well, this weekend, I went to the uh, Deontay Wilder fight in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham's a little less than four hours away. And,. I drove down there and to check it out and see my first heavyweight championship fight. Actually, probably my first professional fight, really. I've seen amateur fights before. My first professional fight, I believe. And um, Showtime, uh, not Showtime, NBC did not disappoint. Uh, PBC on NBC is is the truth, man. It's one of the best things they could ever done with Premier Boxing. And um, I got there right before 4 o'clock. <clears throat> the gates open at well. The gates open a little after four, and the first fight was at four thirty. A couple of heavyweights, weren't that many people in the ring in the right time. Probably about maybe a thousand people, and the first body shot that really connected, man, it sounded so loud. You have no idea how hard them guys are getting hit until you're actually there. And um, so I think they had six undercard fights. Five of them were knockouts. Um, or TKOs, so, you know, I had some action to, to keep me busy until the main event. But um, did you all see Deontay Wilder go to work? Uh, now, I will give his opponent, Johan Duhapas, credit. That dude would not go down. I mean, he was tough. He was going to sit there and take that beating all night. But first of all, I guess I should ask, did anybody see the fight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that that, that French guy, that guy was tough. You can tell he was a barroom ball brawler, and uh, you know everything because Wilder was giving him some shots. I was sitting there watching him just tee off on this guy, and this guy just stood there, and it, it, it was like, wow, when is he gonna go down? <laughs> yeah, I mean Wilder would hit him, and he was rocking, you know, just teetering, but he he would not go down, and most people. You've heard the stereotypes. They don't think anything is tough in France. But, um, Ray, did you see the fight? No, nah, well, I didn't see the whole fight. I've seen part of it. And, yeah, I mean, it was a typical DeAndre Wilder fight. I mean, he has a fan-friendly style. But, you know, I think he drops his hands too much, though. I mean, he, he, he did. Doctor, I think he's going to be, he might be in trouble. I told the guy that was sitting behind me that if he would have fought Klitschko Saturday night, he would have lost and probably would have gotten knocked out. I thought he was really careless. Um, and, you know, Duhoppa's got some, a couple of good shots in on him because he was kind of, Wilder was kind of swollen up a little bit around the eye. And um, I, I think that 
I understand that he recognizes that he's very talented, but he really needs to, I think he's getting to the point in his career with some of the people he's fighting. He really needs to respect these folks a little more than what he's doing because now that he has that belt, you know, you'd be surprised at how amped up somebody comes in wanting to be Buster Douglas. And um, even though he clearly won the fight, I mean, I think he pretty much won every round. Um, he was careless a couple of times, man. And you fighting somebody like Klitschko who has some size and some range, uh, you can be in some trouble for real. He's not so, ready for Klitschko. I don't think he is either. Not after seeing what I saw Saturday. Even like his jab, which normally, now his jab is good. But a lot of times on Saturday night, he was throwing a jab just to measure for the right hand to come in with the straight right as opposed to jabbing effectively. So I think if he would have jabbed a lot more effectively earlier, the fight wouldn't have gone as as long as it did. But I, I know he probably wanted to entertain the fans too. But I he was put on the show. The French guy's jab because it was killing him. Yeah, yeah, he was catching That's on the way. <laughs> yeah, he was catching the way in. He was timing it pretty well, and um, I mean, it was early in the fight, and Wilder's eye was swollen pretty badly. When we were like, "Oh man, like what's going on?" But uh, you know, he still, like I said, had control of the fight, and he did his thing. Don't know who he's looking to fight next. Now, Klitschko had to pull out of his fight because of a calf injury with Tyson Fury, but he says he's going to try to have it before the year is out. It was scheduled for November, um, but I don't know when they're going to reschedule it. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the next, I guess, decent fight, you have um, Victor Postal versus uh, Lucas Matisse. They um, Matisse fights on Saturday. I don't know what channel that's going to be. You got David Lemieux and uh, Triple G fighting in two weeks. And you have Kill Brook and Diago, um, Diego Chavez in three weeks. And so I got some pretty big names coming up. I'm waiting on Timothy Bradley and Brandon Rios in November. And then, of course, Miguel Cotto and um, and Canelo Alvarez no- November 21st. I look forward to that. It's going to be uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So it's going to Kind of have a holiday feel. Folks going to be chilling, ready to relax, and that's going to be a pretty good fight. I know it's going to be pay-per-view, but I'm going to be somewhere watching it, or I might have to pay for that one. But uh, if you haven't got, gotten a chance to see the fight, though, if y'all catch it on the hand, I mean, it's an interesting fight. So, but all right, we'll move on to some football. And, Ray, I'm going to start with your 2-1 and one Oakland Raiders, man. The Raiders jumped out on the Browns early. 17-3 at the half, and held on for a 27-20 victory on the road. And, man, I, like I, I, I sent you a text, I believe, and it looks like y'all are starting to enjoy winning a little bit, man. Yes, I mean, we're we starting to, to look good, particularly on on offense. Defense, we got some work to do. We got some holes to fill. But mostly it's uh, – we 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 starting to show up. We just got to keep the momentum going. We got the Chicago Bears. We can't take off, put off the gas, and take them for granted because, you know, Cutler's not playing, and you know, not that Cutler's great, but he's better than uh, Jimmy Clausen. But yeah. you know, I think you know, 
you know, it's it's a winnable game for us, and it would be big to start out three and one. And you know, this game was a game that we was winning, you know, from the beginning. We almost swindled a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter. I was a little wary because they was moving the ball, and I mean, Johnson now was 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 playing well. I know they're mm-hmm. in for Johnny. I'm a big Johnny fan, but. Joshua now showed up on, on that game on Sunday. So, I mean, it went for Charles Woods to get that interception. He may have tied the game. And, you know, I'm just, you know, being a Raiders fan of watching Raiders for the last, you know, 12 years or so. I've been a Raiders fan for a lot longer, I don't know, 30 years or whatever, but just only the last 12, it's just, been, been real tough, and the Seals finally got some talent, finally got some good coaching, finally got us a, a, a quarterback since Rich Gannon. Um, it, it really starting to starting to look up. You know what I mean? I, I wish we would have did a little bit more with some of our draft picks, but you know we think we can get me happy with Amari Cooper. You know, but we need some pass rush. So we take one thing at a time. I just. I hate to think, man, what would have happened if we would have had Greg Hardy right now, along with, you know, Khalil Mack and all the yeah. Smith. That would have been crazy. So, you know, I just hope we can keep it going. But, you know, anytime we get a win, man, I'm I'm just excited. All right. Yeah, you all are two and one. David Carr is looking good. He's not making mistakes. Latavius Murray, who I just traded for, Last week from on my fantasy team uh, for a money league, I mean, he did 26 carries, 139 yards, and a touchdown. So it was nice to see someone get more than 15 carries in a game. But, uh, man, this dude, Travis Benjamin, man, have you ever seen the highlights on this guy? He's been getting in the end zone every week. Yeah. I told you. They didn't put a wig on Josh Gordon and put him out there. <laughs> That's what he looks like, for sure. But, uh, all right, so, Buck, and um, and I know Daddy Rich is a Steelers fan, too. But, Buck, um, you know, first Jay Cutler and Tony Romo, Drew Brees, and now Ben Roethlisberger. You got four marquee quarterbacks that are injured before, you know, the first month of football is complete. Um, Now you have Michael Vick going on a short week playing the Ravens, man. How much confidence do you have that Michael Vick can return to his his 2010 version yeah. of himself? I really – I'm not really concerned about him really, con, you know, going back to 2010. You know, we you have to play discipline football. Um, I don't think we need to change the offense any as far as trying to match, you know, Obviously, there's going to be some changes. You know, you can't put, have the same plays in there that you'd have for Big Ben that you would for um, Michael Vick. But the thing is, is that you have to play disciplined football here. Um, there's going to be plays in there for Michael Vick that Ben Roethlisberger can't do. So the keys to this game are very simple. Um, we are playing a division opponent. Um, we're playing at home, so we're going to be fired up. So the, the, the what you have to do, basically, it's play to what Michael Vick does best. The offensive line has to do their job in blocking for him, so that way there'll be pass protection, um, play action pass, those types of things. 
um, maybe some some maybe some rollouts. Um, make sure you're running back. You got two you got two studs in the in the backfield with Le'Veon Bell and you know the guy we picked up from uh, Carolina. So you got two studs there, D'Angelo, um, D'Angelo, Williams. So and the defense, you know, no turnovers. And also, you know, your defense got to play, you know, they got to play big. I mean, the Ravens are missing out a lot with, you know, Terrell Suggs being on injured reserve, and you got Haloti Nata now playing the Detroit. So, I mean, other than Steve Smith and Flacco, you really don't – I mean, they, they really – these guys are 0-3, but they are hungry. They're 0-3, but, you know, we can't go in this game half-stepping. we got to go in there and, and play discipline above-the-line football. So, as long as we do those things – you know, it should be it should be a you know decent victory for us. Okay, and Daddy Rich, what are you saying, man? Repeat the question. I had to run inside and use the bathroom. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you sharing that with the listeners. But uh, what do you think about Vic and what the Steelers have to do on Thursday against the Ravens? I, personally, I feel like. Sometime before Roethlisberger comes back, Antonio Brown's streak of five catches or more is going in. <laughs> Man, it's a reason why my friend and them let Vic go. Uh, I just hope that he can get us through this, man. I, You know, I, I, I don't expect anything big. I actually expect the Ravens to win this game. Uh, because they have not won a game, and this is like a setup. It's just like we're going into a setup. They're and, desperate. And, <laughs> yeah, they're desperate, and you know they they they've got to win. They, they although it's in Pittsburgh, I um think uh, I think that the Ravens yeah. are going to win this game. I really do, uh, and I think Mike Vick is going to have problems, but hopefully. He can turn into Mike Vick that understands. Look, man, I got to get somewhere. That's all I'm hoping, and I'm I'm hoping that he can get a, a few passes to Brown so he can get somewhere. <laughs> but other than that, man, I think the Ravens got us on this one. I hate to say it, it's just a, about will and determination in this situation. Okay. And Ray. Um... Let me shift to the AFC South, the NFC South for a second, where the Carolina Panthers picked up the number nine all-time sack leader, Jared Allen, who uh, I guess Chicago wasn't very happy with his performance there, but he was playing a 3-4 in Chicago. Now he's going back to a 4-3 where he's most comfortable lining up at defensive end. Um, I think it's a good pickup for Carolina. What do you think about it? Oh yeah, I think it's a good pick up for them. I think they uh they only had to give up with a six round pick. I believe so. That's a steal. Yeah, I mean I know Jared Allen is kinda at the end of his career, but he still can help a a, a dangerous defense get even more dangerous, particularly when Luke Kinkley comes back and Charles Johnson comes back. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a, it was a real good pick up for him. Because, you know, it, you know how a pass rusher is. You know, they can explode at any time. You know, you can get straight hand off the morning show and bring him in there. He can probably get a sack, <laughs> you, know, you know, here or there. You know what I mean? So, 
he knows how to play the game. And Jared Allen, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. So, you know, it's always good when you can get a guy that has a high motor. Okay. I think he's going to be a big pickup, man. And I think that um, the fact that he they got him just for a a six-rounder, it makes you wonder if they even ask anybody else. Because I'm pretty sure somebody would have came with a, um, as high as a fourth-rounder for someone and like Jared Allen. That, um, I, it's it's surprising too because the Bears picked up his roster bonus, which was yeah, eleven million dollars, and yeah. now the Carolina Panthers is only responsible for the prorated um, portion of his salary, which is eight hundred eighty-two thousand of a million dollars. So Chicago Bears paid the majority of the money because they paid that that roster bonus. So I don't yeah. understand why they would make that deal. I don't understand either. It doesn't seem like they got anything out of it. Yeah, um, and they, 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 you, you also heard that they're talking about, you know, putting Alshon Jeffrey on the market in that 14 too, right? That's, if they do that, first of all, that just means they're really mailing it in. But if they do that, they should get two number ones. I mean, I think I mean. Well, I mean, I think you should get a number one for 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 both of them, at the least. I mean, some may argue yeah. Matt Forte is not a spring chicken, and you want to give him a number two, but Alshon Jeffrey is still really young, and uh, but yeah. I think both of them are, are. I wouldn't give them up for less than a first. Yeah. So that's crazy. If they do that, man, they just. I mean, they they've turned into the. The the 2005 Kansas City Royals at that point, man, it's becoming a farm system. So, I don't get that at all. But, all right, so, let's see. The Patriots, are, are a lot of people are starting to think 2007 again. Now, they crushed the Jaguars 51-17, to uh, which, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And Tom Brady is on a mission, threw for 358 yards, two touchdowns. He still hasn't thrown an interception. Rob Gronkowski went over 100. LeGarrette Blunt is back. He had 78 yards and three touchdowns. And they look unstoppable, mainly because their defense is impressive, if you ask me. And Daddy Rich, I mean, can we see echoes of 2007? Are the Patriots going to be uh, – people going to start talking about them being undefeated in a few weeks, running the table. Repeat. I'm I'm in a conversation. Sorry. See, I'm doing a lot of things, Daddy Rich. You know, I got a lot of things going on. <laughs> <laughs> I try to call his name first to give him a cue, and he still gets in the conversation late. I said, "Do you think that if the Patriots keep going at the pace they're going?" that people are going to start thinking about that 16-0 and season back in 2007 again. Are they capable of doing that? What do you think? I got a Patriots fan right here. I think I, it's only three games into the season, and we don't need to worry about that yet. <laughs> that sounds like a smart man. <laughs> hey, Daddy Rich will do a lot of things. You never know what's going to happen with Daddy Rich. <laughs> so I had to have a guest give me the answer. But I'll say that it's early. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I think that Tom Brady. I was just talking with uh, my uh, guest over here that I was telling the other day that Tom Brady and Roethlisberger 
with two of the quarterbacks that were looking really good, and it could be a magical season for him. And I think that Tom Brady's going to have one of those seasons it, unless someone gets hurt, uh, mainly Gronk. That would be a big problem, or Edelman. Edelman is a, has been a, like a gnat to most of these teams, man. I, I bet they're like, you're a damn fly because you just keep flying around and keep making plays, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it, it's according to those things, uh, injuries, you know, or, uh, you know, just some team like Pittsburgh. Like I said, if Roethlisberger was there, because Roethlisberger was throwing the hell, hell out of the ball. And uh, he he was staying up with Brady with this situation. But I think right now Brady's got it. But barring any injuries or any letdowns, I think that it could be like the old seven season. Okay. And um, it is early, but we're going to see right now they look unstoppable. And But I tell you a team that I thought was through. I mean, I actually stopped watching the game when I was at the sports bar. Only to find out that they won when I got home, and that was Indianapolis. Tennessee had Indianapolis 27-14 going in the fourth, and Indy dropped 21 points in the fourth and ended up winning 35-33. Have the Colts rescued their season, and you look for them to get back on track, or did Tennessee just drop the ball and they're both bad? I think they're both bad. I mean, right now you don't know what's going on. You would think that, you know, Indianapolis would be – you know, one of the elite teams, you know, they, everybody picking them to make it to the Super Bowl and so forth, but they got so much influx with the coach. And really, Chuck Bogano is really a good coach. It's just the fact that, you know, the general manager doesn't like him. So when anytime you got infighting, you know, between your coach and general manager, then there's going to be issues. Um, that in itself, even though we know the players play the game, but that in itself, when you have your coach under duress, on a week-to-week basis, um, you know, it's just not it's just not a good combination. So anybody that's picking the Colts to go to the Super Bowl, they need to pick somebody else because they just ain't going to make it. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck is doing all he can, but when your coach is not fully focused, you know, you're not getting the, the type of quality plays that you need. You're not getting the type of, you know, quality. You know, you're just not getting what you need from your, your head coach. Your head coach, the things that he would normally do, he's just not doing because he's too busy worried about his own job. And, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. And eventually, I mean, you know, the Colts may win the division, but they may win the division at 9-7 and seven because of it. Okay. And uh, right, Michael Sam says that he wouldn't have told everybody he was gay. He would still be in the NFL, man. That's true or false? Uh, he didn't have great athletic numbers or nothing like that as far as, like, you know, how fast he can run or, or the combine. But, but, yeah, and, you know, I, I thought when he was out there he did well, but at the same time, you know, the Rams had a loaded defense, so it was kind of hard to say. I mean, you went up to Canada and you start acting a fool up there or – you know, quitting the team and stuff like that. So I don't know what he thought he could have done. Being a mm-hmm. professional athlete, you have to be more than good. So is he good enough physically to play? I don't know. You know, I mean, when he was out there last preseason in 2014, he had four or five sacks 
even at garbage time, you gotta take a look at a guy like that. So right. it might be right. Okay. And um I don't know if he's gonna try to come back or not, but I mean He's already danced with the stars, so it kind of is what he is. He's already retired more than Magic Johnson, and he ain't been in the league but a year. Um, speaking of Sam, uh, Daddy Rich, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, despite the fact the Eagles were able to pull out their win against the Jets, dude was just not good. Okay, I mean, he was 14 of 28 and 118 yards. And, I mean, the Eagles are not going to thrive with numbers like that. Are they going to struggle to put up points with Sam Bradford? I mean, do they need to look to going going to Mark Sanchez at this point? <laughs> Man, I told you about Bradford, didn't I? Well, I don't think they should look towards Mark Sanchez. I, I, I really think that uh, – Chip Kelly ran off really what they needed. I mean, I mean Mark Sanchez is not the answer uh, for a starting quarterback, uh, and neither is Bradford. Uh, I don't know what they need to do. Chip Kelly's got that place in a debacle. Even though they won, it just seems like that, you know, the main players as far as like DeMarco Murray, uh, Bradford, they really don't understand their place and where they stand, like where they stand with him or with the team. Because it, it just seems the Marco Murray ran well in, in Dallas. Maybe he needed a contract. Of, yeah, that's true. He he did need a contract, you know, but. That's where, that's where Ray was saying for two years. <laughs> the Marco Murray broke hands and everything. Hurt fingers. Gunshot one. Yeah, good. Nope. Mark Marcus Murray is playing on Sunday. I'm like, oh shit. They well, run, run it up last year. I'm gonna take Dennis Green line. I'm gonna say he is what I said he was. Horrible. Mm. And and this is the problem with these athletes. Is why I get on some of them. And he would just stay with that line. See what Joseph Randall did Sunday? He might have yeah. had a chance at the all time record of 296 yards. Had he been running on Sunday, but we chasing that money. When the fact is, no state tax in Texas, you already rich. And what's this man gonna get for eight million dollars that you couldn't get but five or six million? To me, it's just foolish. When, like I say, Brady rewriting history. He's not worried about the money because he know he gonna get it on the back end. Yeah. You know all these guys. How much money? How much money? How much money? And all the faces look the same. And that's just the truth. <laughs> hey, that's a good point, right? That's a really good point. Okay. Yeah, that's all the news. Uh, all right, and we'll segue into that Cowboys game. Falcons 39, Cowboys 28. And as far as what I saw, um, I saw the Falcons do to the Cowboys what the Cowboys have been doing to other people. Over the last few years, they controlled the clock with the running game. They controlled the line of scrimmage. The Falcons had 158 yards rushing, uh, 34 minutes time of possession, and they and they were nine of 14 on third down. That doesn't hurt. And when you have a beast like like Julio Jones able to run free in a zone defense, um, 
They did try to go man-to-man on him, but they never double-covered Julio Jones. And I can't figure that out, why Rod Marinella decided to play single coverage on Julio Jones because he just torched the Cowboys for 12 catches, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. But um, they ran the ball and controlled the clock. And even though Dallas got off to a quick start, um, Joseph Randall had 14 carries, 87 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, he was closer to 100 yards at one time, in the second half, Atlanta made adjustments and started pushing Dallas back a little bit, and they just never recovered. And uh, Brandon Wheaton uh, played well. He made one mistake. They kind of swung some momentum with an interception that he threw. But he was 22 of 26 for 232 yards. But if he doesn't throw that ball downfield, because um, Terrence Williams did not have a um, a catch, he didn't get targeted until the very last Offensive play for Dallas, and the ball hit him in the hands, and he dropped it. But by that time, he was probably out of the game. Not saying that's an excuse for a pro player, but you can't have your running back lead the team with 10 receptions. So um, they're going to have to take some chances and throw that ball down the field at some point. But um, they're going up against an injury-depleted Saints next week. So it's going to be the IR versus the ER, I guess, going into next week. And, um, We'll see what happens on Sunday Night Football, but they can't leave, lose to the Saints. If they lose to the Saints, and I can't go outside for like a week. So they're going to have to find a way to win that. But, all right, uh, but Peyton Manning still doesn't look himself. But I don't think he has to I don't think he has to be himself, man. Denver's defense is a Super Bowl defense. Man, they, they, man, they, they play it lights out, man. They really do some good, but, I mean – Denver really should really should be really concerned about Peyton Manning because I mean he is definitely up. Um, he's he's not making throws. I mean there's a lot that he's missing out on. Um, I mean he's making the short throws, but the you know the long throws he's just not making. So um, they should be they definitely should be concerned. Um, it's almost like he's playing with some sort of injury. Um, I don't know you know if he's injured or not. That's just not something that we know. Um, it's not on the injury report or anything like that, but something's definitely off about pain. Um, maybe it's surgery. It's just not working the way it's supposed to. Not really sure, but something's up. And But as far as the defense goes, they're doing really well. Um, they, they, they're winning games for them, so, you know, maybe they can just keep it going. But they better get they better get themselves ready really quick because, uh, you know, it's just September right now, but they can't afford to keep playing like they're playing right now. Okay. Well, their defense is killing it, man. I got to give them props on that. But, uh, Ray, next week, New England and the Patriots have the bye week. So the first bye comes in week four. Um, how do you feel about the early bye week? And if you were a coach, would you prefer an early one or a late one or somewhere in the middle? Uh, I would prefer to have an early bye week. Because when you come off the preseason, a lot of starters haven't played and they get these little knickknack injuries and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you need that rest. So, you know, as you build momentum, you don't want to cut that momentum off way up late in the season. So I would take it early. And New England's case, man, they they red hot right now. So, you know, but I don't think the layoff will hurt them at all. Probably not. So basically, like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And Daddy Rich, um, the Bengals are off to a good start, 
And AJ Dalton is, uh, I mean, Andy Dalton is looking really good, man. I mean, is this the typical Bengals that's going to fizzle out in the playoffs, or is this the year they look capable of winning the playoff game? Andy Dalton will reveal himself later on. <laughs> Trust. He's 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 okay, man, but he's he's a mid-level guy, and it'll all. It, It'll all come. It'll all come about. He'll start acting like Peyton Manning when it's time when it counts. Trust me. That's just his dog. Cold trip that pill. Okay. Well, we'll see That's what goes cool. on with that. And uh, Buck Steve Smith Senior, man, he went nuts this weekend. I mean, at 36 years old, he's still physical. He's still putting up numbers. And he's still getting it done. This is someone I thought was going to kind of just ride off in the sunset. But uh, he, he wants to go out with a bang. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, he played some lights-out football this week, man. It's good to see people this age that can, you know, still doing it big and doing it big. So I'm, I'm impressed. You know, some of these people know how to, you know, decide the time, so he's definitely one of those characters that's doing it. Yeah. And uh, Ray, Tyler Lockett, the kick return um, returner for Seattle, is starting to look like he's something special, man. I mean, this guy just, he just kind of, every time he touches the ball, he's dangerous and looking to score. I mean, are we looking at another Darren Sproles here or maybe a possible Devin Hester on the horizon? Yeah, and I looked at this kid when he was in college, man. I, I I love him, you know. And I thought that Seattle really got a good pickup. I wish they would play him more offense and let him show him what he can do as a receiver. I mean, the only reason why this guy fell to the third round was because he was small. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of that, what you see on film, the route running and everything, he's a heck of a football player. His daddy played at the same school. You know, and he just uh, just 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 a great football player, and you know I put him on a lot of my fantasy teams because, you know, I thought that you know he was gonna get more playing time at receiver. I think he probably will as time goes along, but he's he's just a a great young player. He understands angles and how to get to the spot that he needs to get to, like uh. This guy, I can't think of what his name is now. He used to play with the Kansas City Chiefs. He reminded me a lot of him. And he used to run back a lot. Oh, you mean uh, Dante Hall? Yeah, Dante Hall. And, you know, he just can really bring him back. So, yeah, Yeah. I I like watching him play because every every week it looks like he's going to bring one back. Yeah, he does remind you of Dante Hall. He wasn't that big either. And um, Buck. Man, the Minnesota Vikings, Vikings, at the beginning of the year when I asked y'all about the hot seat, I told you all that Joe Philbin, the head coach of the Vi- – not the Vikings, head coach of the Dolphins was on the hot seat. And Buffalo goes into Sun Life Stadium and drops 41 points on the Dolphins, man. Uh, where is that Dolphins defense – well, I mean, the offense is bad too, but where is that defense with Indomitian suit they picked up that was really good last year that should have gotten greater – What's wrong with the Dolphins? Everything's wrong with the Dolphins. Um, I mean, from offense, from defense, special team, 
I mean, they're all missing this. Philbin is this. You know, there's a reason why certain coaches are offensive coordinators. There's a certain reason why, you know, coaches should not, you know, the offensive or defensive coordinator, they should stay in that position. Um, Steve Spagnuolo is a, is a prime example of that. And Philbin falls in the same category. Philbin is a great, you know, coordinator. He's not a good coach. Um, Miami does not have um, the type of, you know, players. I mean, they got rid of some good players. I mean, Hartline was a better player than I thought than Mike Walker. I like Hartline, you let, yeah. You let Hartline go. So, and then you let, you know, Mike Wallace go, which, you know, he's a one-trick pony, as Mike Thomas is. So, you let two, of, you know, you did your, your number one and number two receivers go, or your number two and number three receivers go. You bring in Dominic and Sue. And, I mean, he does not really fit in their type of scheme of defense. I haven't heard his name earlier this year. Nope. So, other than on a damn Subway commercial. So, bottom line of it is real simple. They got a lot of issues. It's September. They better fix them because Philbin, you know, just like Chip Kelly, ain't going to be coaching very long if they don't. Yeah, they look they look bad right now. And uh, did you all see the play in the Jets game where Brandon Marshall caught the pass and tried to throw a lateral and end up hitting um, Connor Baldwin of the Eagles in the face, and then uh, the Eagles recovered it? I mean, they were down 17-7. to looked like they were able to drive – they were going to drive in and cut the lead. And for some reason, he caught a pass and tried to throw a lateral. I mean, did you all see the highlight of that? Hello? No, I, I didn't see it. Oh. And, uh, okay, but yeah, he, he caught the pass cleanly, and he just tried to throw a lateral and, I mean, lost the ball. And this is when they were down by 10 and had a chance to cut the lead. And then Philly drove down and ended up scoring and made it, you know. Uh, well, actually, they were down 17 to nothing. And uh, Philly went ahead and scored and made it 24 to nothing. And I, I don't understand what was going on with that. But Ray, Colin Kaepernick, man, this $100 million man, <laughs> I, I mean, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, had a field day off of this dude. This dude threw four interceptions in, like, very little time, and Arizona dropped a 47-7 to beat down on the 49ers, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with San Francisco, I mean, they don't have no targets. I know he tried to bring in Troy Smith and – you know, I know that you have uh, Carlos Hyde and, you know, Antoine Bolden and all that, but I mean, you have a quarterback. To me, I just don't understand how a guy could be a quarterback and you can't do what a quarterback is supposed to be able to do consistently. You know, you have to go for 200-some yards here and there, but consistently and be accurate when you're doing it. I mean... I enjoy guys running and all that, multi-skilled and all that, but you see how beautiful what Aaron Rodgers was doing last night. Yeah. You see, that's what you got to respect. All that running, this and that, yeah, that shit is nice. But at the end of the day, you can't win no game like that. And Kaepernick is finding that out. And I believe at the end of this year they can let us go without owing them any more money. I think they're going to go in another direction. I wouldn't be surprised and, if they did. You know, 
and we'll see who's going to pay for his skill set, you know, some quarter starting quarterback money. You may be able to do like Sanchez, get $8 million to back somebody up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see because he's just like Vince Young, but let's see if they keep him in the league and not throw him out. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Because it, it's the same stuff. Right here with us. No job. Backing up nobody. Mm. <laughs> this young kid in total football. I don't care how you put it. Kaepernick can't either. If you sit there and watch the interceptions that he threw, that just looks like just terrible. It, it's a high school. That's a high schooler. He can't throw the ball. Let's not go there. Let's not go there because Vince Young can throw the ball better than Kaepernick because he took playoff. Look at his playoff and how many times he went compared to Brady. And and you'll see that he's up there. He's up there. He's high. He's high up there. Vince Young. Look it up. Facts are facts. Vince Young went to a lot of playoffs. He played a lot of playoff games, more than you think. And Kaepernick is terrible, and he's still in the league. That's the kind of stuff that's going on. You got players, that, you got quarterbacks in the league that shouldn't be, just like Kaepernick. No. But Vince Young because you you talking a while, but you ain't saying nothing. Now listen to this. If how many years Kaepernick been in the league? Um, three, I think. Let me take a look. Well, I mean, I, I think this might be his fourth or fifth season. I don't know how well, long Alex Smith has been. At least in fifth season, I believe. Now, now, how many years has this young played? I don't. Know, I'm trying to find that. See the website I was looking at was going slow. But give me just a second. I know one thing that uh, Vince Young has. Go ahead. Huh? I was going to say one thing that that Vince Young has to his credit is, uh, I mean, one thing Kaepernick has to his credit is, you know, he did go to a Super Bowl. Um, But let me see if I can find something on Vince Young. But go ahead and make your point while I'm looking. No, but Vince, I'm just saying. Vince Young's skill set is the same as Kaepernick. Kaepernick is not going to do no better than what he's doing. So why is he still getting a look? Why would he still get a look for what? He ain't going to do no better than what he's doing. Vince Young is the same player, but at least he has the sense enough not to throw interceptions that way. He just, Kaepernick is not going to be able to lead this team for nothing. They got to get somebody else in there right now if they want to win anything. It's early. Yes, it is. But Kaepernick looks like he doesn't even he, – All right. I mean, the interceptions he threw were terrible. Colin Kaepernick is um, was drafted in 2011. All right. So okay. this is going to be his fifth season. Um, Vince Young played nine seasons. 
He played how many? He could have played nine seasons. He coming to the league in 2006. 2000, let's see, he played five with the Titans, uh, one with the Eagles, one with Buffalo, one with Green Bay, one with Cleveland. Yeah, he played nine seasons. He was on the roster for Cleveland in 2014. I didn't realize he was on there last year. So he, he played nine seasons. Um, yeah, I guess he was, I was says he was, let me back up. Uh, let me back up. He was on the practice squad for Buffalo. Okay, maybe he didn't play in a regular season game. I'm trying to get my the site I normally he use. He never played for up. Buffalo or Cleveland. Never played. All right, so he was on the practice squad for them, or he was on the off season roster. All right, so if that's the case, then that means that he played seven seasons. Kaepernick has played five. Yes, he went to a Super Bowl, but is he going back? No. Hey, and it's the same field. He's a better passer than Vince Young is. No, well, he's not. Yeah, he's a better passer. Buck, what do you think, Buck? Buck? How? 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 Look at Buck. You can look break the tax up. I'm, I'm looking at the stat. Go ahead, Buck. Oh, Buck ain't even there. Where'd he go? All right, so um, he dropped off. Let me pull up the, the career stats. Uh, Vince Young, let's see. They have him credited for six seasons. So he was practice squad and all those other places. In six seasons, he had 46, touch, 46 touchdowns, 51 interceptions, Eight thousand nine hundred and sixty-four yards with a seventy-four point four rating. Kaepernick and is going into his fifth season. Has fifty-two touchdowns, twenty-five interceptions, um, a rating of eighty-nine point one, and eight thousand nine hundred and eighty-two yards. So he already has more yards than Vince Young. So, did you hear that? Let me look at rushing yards, if I can find rushing yards. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing it. But it, it, rushing, he's, he's, on, he's on the decline. Rushing yards. Vince Young had 1,459 rushing yards with 12 touchdowns. Colin Kaepernick, 1,714 yards with 11 touchdowns. Kaepernick beating them all over the head, the back, the shoulders, under his feet, and everywhere. <laughs> well, let's see what he does now. I, hey. think, I think the difference between Kaepernick and Vince Young, to me, Vince Young um, couldn't hit you unless you were open. He didn't know how to throw you open. Uh, that's the problem I had with him. Even when he was in Texas, um, the receivers had to wait on the ball because they would have already been open for a second or two before he noticed them. I think Kaepernick may be a little more instinctive. Now, I'm not going to say he's great by any means, but I think he's a little more instinctive uh, than what Vince Young was when it comes to throwing to the receivers. I just said skill set. The skill set is the same. I, I mean, that's 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 the, the debatable on there. I, I think that... Uh, 
I don't know. I know Kaepernick is more athletic. Uh, he's faster. Vince was long, kind of lanky. I mean, he got the job done. And, I mean, Vince did his thing. I mean, he was really the year 2006, two-time pro bowler, comeback player of the year 2009. Um, Kaepernick, Kaepernick uh, he doesn't have any of those accolades. But, uh, you know, he did, like I said, make it to a Super Bowl. And I know that counts for a lot, too. And his interception, touchdown interception ratio is a lot better than Vince Young. I didn't realize he had only thrown 25 interceptions. I would have thought he threw a lot more than that, especially the way he played Sunday. But uh, I, I don't have any, any doubt that he's going to be um, on the way out with the way that he's playing. Uh, because I don't feel like he's played well since the the run they had for the Super Bowl. But, all right, uh, Adrian Peterson on Sunday, y'all, 20 carries, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. If North Turner, the best thing for Adrian Peterson, because I think, you know, this is the guy who used to call plays for Emmitt Smith, I think he's going to give Adrian his touches. Uh, I think Adrian is always going to get his touches, but, you know, it, it's, of course, I don't think North Turner hurts at all because he realizes that you have to get a piece of ball in. You know, the first game, it kind of works him in easy. And, you know, a lot of people start doubting him and everything else, but, you know, AP is going to be AP, and he's showing you why. I mean, he's running over people and everything on Sunday, so. You know, I think it's, it's it's a good thing. I believe you got a workhorse back. You got to feed him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's um, North Turner is definitely the type of guy that you want to have when you have a good running back. Jimmy Graham finally getting involved with the Seahawks. Um, I tell you what, I think is the biggest surprise of the season for me. And I mentioned Steve Smith earlier in his resurgence. Larry Fitzgerald, like he's twenty two years old again, man. And if Carson Palmer stays healthy, what, uh, Daddy Rich, do you think can be just uh, the the end result for the Cardinals on this? Because right now their defense is playing halfway decent and their offense looks really good. Well, I'm going to say my friend left them with a great defense, him and his his, uh, boy, uh, Mr. Bowles. Uh, And I think that with Fitzgerald waking up, they look good. We, Me and my uh, friend here were just talking about that the other day uh, with the Fantasy League, and I was picking up the kicker that they had just to get some points there. Uh, if Palmer stays healthy, man, they're going to go deep, man. They may go second, third-round playoffs. You know, I'm, I'm looking at them being good because the defense is, God, the defense is showing up. You know, it's showing up, and but – that's a tribute to Bruce Aarons, who is a, a product of the Steelers, you know. He's just bringing it bringing it to the league, you know, touching them. That's Pittsburgh, giving a little bit of touch. So, you know, Bruce Aarons is a great coach. He, he did well for us in Pittsburgh, so it, it was no doubt he was going to do well in Arizona. Yeah, I, I think that um, he's he really has control of that team, and they really seem to uh, – I, I feel like they – are going to make a push for that division title. I know Seattle's going to get things going again, but barring injury, I mean, Carson Palmer's look good, too. He's found the fountain of youth. 
Um, a quarterback who doesn't look like he has any type of youth in him, right, is Kirk Cousins. Uh, Washington looked bad again. They tried to make a little run last week, but they looked bad again. And I, I don't even know where this team goes from here. Uh, I didn't even get no information on that Washington game this week, I think. When, oh, you saw – well, they played Thursday, right? Yeah, they played the That's Giants. Yeah. Yeah, he threw for a lot of yards and throwing interceptions and everything else and threw the ball 49 times, that's right. But, um, um, you know, I, I think Cousins is a, is a good backup. And I don't know if he's a starter. But at the same time, if RG3 gets back in or wherever RG3 ends up, he's going to have to you know, be able to adjust just as the quarterback or the coach is adjusting. And I don't know if he's willing to do that because he wants, you know, plays catered to his skill set and all this kind of stuff. But those kind of guys that do a lot of running end up getting hurt. And then what? You know, so I think that, you know, he needs to go to another team, not with the Redskins for GM says he's not giving up hope, but I don't think they want to put him on the field and risk injury and be able to hook for the that $16 million. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. But Daddy Rich, um, should Todd Bowles and the Jets be worried about Daryl Revis? Because, you know, he's 30 years old now. He strained his groin last week. This past week he hurt his hamstring. Now, he says that he's fine, but, I mean, he is getting up in age, man. And, I mean, should they be concerned? Uh, they should. He knows himself. I'm going to say that. Me too. He knows himself, uh, and, and I think that uh, if the man says he's good to go, he's good to go. Uh, but they should kind of be in the background kind of, yeah, I think kind of just watching and paying attention to him a little closer than good look uh, than usual because he he is a, a a big big reason why that defense is doing what they're doing. No doubt. Uh, so I, I, yeah, they probably should be on alert on that one, man. You know, they probably I, I, and I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Trust. Okay, and Ray. Um, they had a little controversy that came out of the Carolina game when Ed Hockley allegedly told Cam Newton, you're not old enough to get that call. Uh, (laughs) And now Ed Hockley could be in trouble, which he's used to being in trouble by now. But, I mean, was he out of line for saying that? Did they make a big deal out of that, out of nothing? Well, Ed Hockley denied saying that. He said what he said to him was, you were running, and if you run – the rules is different, but I believe he said exactly what Cam Newton said he said because when you look at Cam Newton's reaction as he's following Ed Hockley, he stopped. Mm-hmm. Like he almost can't believe what he said to him. So Ed Hockley knows that, you know, if nobody was mic'd up in his foot thing, there's no way they can prove it. But technology is, is real, you know, strange nowadays. I think somehow they were able to prove that's what he said. He's done as a referee because he's constantly lying about it over and over again. 
Okay. And he's had some issues in his career, and I mean, it could be the nail in the coffin if all this comes out. But Cam Newton did react like he was offended by something that was said. Um, just a side note, Ed McCaffrey, I know used to play for the Broncos, and Barry Sanders yeah. both, both have sons that play at at, um, at Stanford, yeah. and they can yeah. they combine for 303 yards rushing this weekend, so. They doing it big. I wonder how uh, uh, Barry Jr. was doing. Yeah. Um, You know, because I know he went up there about two years ago, and he was a stud in high school, and I was like, man, he's going up to Stanford. He must be kind of smart and all, but, you know, I'm glad to see him doing his thing. Yeah, I didn't even know about Ed McCaffrey's son playing or being a running back. So, Uh, Mike Greenberg, um, Mike and Mike said something that I personally didn't agree with, but I'm going to run it by you all. And, Daddy Rich, I'll ask you. I know you're an SEC guy. He said that Leonard Fournette, the running back from the LSU Tigers, is winning the, is in the lead for the Heisman race by a nose, quote-unquote, by a nose over Nick Chubb. Do you agree with that? Nope, I don't. <laughs> I mean, the guy's good, no doubt, man. But you know, Chubb Chubb is 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 doing his thing. He did his thing last year. I mean, for for I mean, he did his thing too. But I just I don't I'm not sold on him. I'm just not sold on him yet. I, I got to see more. You know, I got I got to see a little bit more. I'm not I'm not sold on that. I'm just not. I'm sorry. And, and Ray, what do you think, man? Um, is he barely beating um, out? Nick Chubb. I mean, I love Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's the best in the country, but Leonard Fournette, I think he is uh, leading everybody in the highest. And if it were the end today, he would be the guy that, that, that wins it. Just because, you know, the school that he goes to, I understand Georgia's a big school, but, you know, Fournette, you know, I call Walter Peterson because, you know, when he comes out of school, he's the number one player in the country. And you know how the young boys do. They going to school, they wearing hats, got a lot of dick riders in the background and everything else when they hmm. going to school. So it's like, you know, I, I, see, I see the proof is in the pudding. He's coming up, he's doing what he got to do. And, you know, two 200-yard games back-to-back, back, you know, that puts him in, in unique territory. So, you know, I would, if it was me, I like Nick Chubb. I would give him Nick Chubb, but you know he's doing his thing in the LSU, so that kind of changes things a little bit. I think the voters would vote for him. I would. Um, I would never take anything from Nick Chubb. He's a great running back, but looking at the season right now and the performances on the field. I don't think that he that anybody is anywhere near Leonard Fournette right now. Leonard Fournette is by far, to me, the best player in the country based on what he's done on the field. And uh, for him to say by a nose, I was looking like, man, I ended up changing the channel. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. You ain't watched the game. You've been watching the highlights. I didn't watch this dude playing two games and half of a third. And Leonard Fournette, and I've, I've seen Chubb playing two games. Leonard Fournette is just—I I can't even compare his style to anybody. I mean, he kind of runs like Eric Dickerson. 
but he has kind of a, a Bo Jackson quality about him with the power that he has. I, I don't even know who to compare him to. He's just Leonard Fournette. And, Lacey. Um, and uh, he's he's faster than Lacey. But, he is, but he's brutal like him. But he doesn't mind contact at all. And that dude, man, I don't know what decision they're going to make next year. If he's going to play at LSU or if he's going to go down to Orlando and, and chill out and be in that little camp or whatever to stay in shape. But that dude's going to make some money because it's not often that, NF, that running backs can be top ten picks in the NFL draft anymore. But he's going to be one if he um, when he comes out, if he's playing like he's playing. But all right, running out of time, so I got to do some who am I before we get cut off. Um, I am a five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty seven pound defensive back that turned thirty one years old today. Drafted first round in two thousand five by the Tennessee Titans. Who I'm is? Oh, uh, uh, Batman Jones. Adam Bernard Jones. I am a six foot. 192-pound receiver, turns 25 today. Oops, no, that's not who I thought it was. I was thinking that was um, A.J. Green. That's my name, A.J. Jenkins. Now, I am a six foot four, 270-pound defensive end that turned 35 years old today. Drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the first round in 2001 out of Missouri. Who am I? Uh, Justin Smith. Justin Smith is correct. Last one. Get in on this one, Daddy Rich. A five foot eleven, two hundred and thirty seven pound running back. Turns forty two years old today. Drafted in the seventh round in nineteen ninety four by the Atlanta Falcons. Bell Morris. Nope. All star. Out of Utah. Ooh, all star? Nope. You say you say how what's his weight now? Five eleven, two hundred and thirty seven pounds, seventh round by the Falcons in nineteen ninety four out of Utah. Nineteen ninety four. I'm surprised y'all don't remember this one. Rushed for eighteen hundred yards in nineteen ninety eight. Jamal Anderson. Jamal Anderson? Jamal Sharif Anderson. Get Daddy Rich. Daddy Rich, All baby. Right. Got on the scoreboard. All right, that's going to do it, fellas. I appreciate it. Y'all got anything really quick? I stress really quick. Watch them Jets, Dan, London, against them Bills. This is a yeah, good game. That's a 9 o'clock game, isn't it? Like 9 yeah. 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Two defenses, man. Two good defenses. Hopefully, Revis is up for the game, man. Okay. Rick's going to be out for revenge on them boys. That's going to be a pretty interesting game. I look forward to seeing that. So I'm going to make sure I'm somewhere checking that out. All right, Ray, you got anything, man? Uh, No, not really. I mean, just, just football, football, football. All right. Well, we'll, do it. we'll do it again tomorrow, fellas. Uh, I appreciate you all joining and coming on. We'll have to talk about Alabama and Georgia tomorrow, too, because that's going to be – something I'm going to make sure I'm sitting down somewhere quiet watching. I'm going to be sitting down in the quiet like it's thundering and lightning outside. I want to make sure I can concentrate on that one. Yeah. yeah. The difference between being alone and being lonely. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. 
All right, fellas, I appreciate it. Y'all been listening to the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. This is how we get down every Tuesday and Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Feel free to join us at any time. Go to TalkToQ.com for more show information. Everyone have a great night. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Call it, go ahead. Oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what I meant. <laughs> you want to be my blog lover. My name is Quincy. The Talk to Q Radio Show. But I do believe that the love for money and power most of the time outweighs their love for women. And this is my show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying too. I think myself doing a lot of shows with this. They're saying it too good. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs>